This week's edition of the Tar Pit is sponsored by our friends over at rockauto.com. You know, chain stores, they've got different price tiers for professional mechanics and for do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, like the airlines do, rockauto.com. They are for everybody and don't require membership or an account login. That's because rockauto.com, they're a family business. They are serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. rockauto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or for your truck. Right, Rob is a podcast in the How Did You Hear About Us box. They know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Hey everybody, what's going on? Uh, Rob Sesternino back here for the Tar Pit here for week number 11. Final Tar Pit before the Amazing Race finale on Wednesday night when we crown the winner of the Amazing Race 32 and a lot to talk about after a controversial week in the Amazing Race. We've got a great Amazing Race panel to talk about it all. First, our chief Amazing Race correspondent is here, the great Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. Um, I might be the only person in the world that's not mad at some aspect of the episode this week. Okay. Nothing? Nothing. I'm okay with it. Even feed the horses? Look, I, I feed the horses was dumb, but it's not rage-making. Mm, okay. All right. A man who uh, is here, I feel like uh, almost never raging. Here is the great Mike Bloom. Mike, is there anything you rage about? Uh, I mean, uh, adults and, and baby oh, yeah, costumes. It's a rage because it's it's like, why do you make that choice? Like, there's it's a really like a, a nice uh, stew of emotions that really get brewed about in there. And Stewie. anger might be a nice ingredient thrown in there. But yeah, no amazing rage going on here. Okay. All right. And then I'm very excited to have with us here to talk about all things The Amazing Race. She is most recently of a podcast talking about the uh, the uh, the evolution of the plurality vote with Taryn Armstrong. Please welcome the foremost uh, Survivor fan in the world. Here is the great Shannon Gus. Shannon, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Mike, I can think of some things that you rage about. I, I think I saw Mike rage this week. About what? Um, Mike and I are the same in that we, I don't know if rage is the right word, but definitely get upset by people being too mean to reality contestants who are just trying to play reality game shows. Yes. And that's something that always upsets us, I think, because we're like sensitive people and we kind of feel like these are just human beings. Please lay off. Mike that does all that, he is keened in on, on that. Yeah, and I feel like I'm the same, and we always talk about it. And this was a big week for that, yes. um, in terms of like leave these people alone. Yes. They're just human beings trying their best. But on the overall, just like ranking of things, that that doesn't even compare to the edge of extinction for you, Shannon. That's very true. <laughs> 
Okay, I'll say this right now, and don't quote me on it. Don't replay this twist. I mean, this clip. Um, if you could tell me right now, we'd get rid of the edge of extinction forever, or get rid of people being way too mean to reality TV contestants when they shouldn't be. Like, I would choose to keep edge of extinction. Well, I think that makes sense. So this is sort of, that's <laughs> yeah, sort of the needs of many chosen poorly. But that's the needs of the many <laughs> outweigh the needs of the few, right? Yeah. That's being like, if all reality show contestants won't get hate, then I think that's a sacrifice you can make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would make that sacrifice. Mike and I, this is Mike and I, are the same person, which is why we're friends. And I think one of the biggest things is that we're like way too insensitive to often. Like Mike always says, I should thank my lucky size. I'm not a Big Brother fan, but we're way too sensitive to people, you know, getting getting hate. People that even aren't us um, for playing a game. So this was this week. I'm happy to be here to talk about it. I think this episode had maybe the most to talk about of any. Amazing Race episode I've seen in the three seasons I've watched in the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot, low bar, but there was so much to talk about. So I'm excited to be here. Great. I mean, what Shane's essentially saying is that if she and I ever race on the Amazing Race together, that U-turn board is not getting touched, and we are going to like yes. buy flowers for people who get right. U-turn. We're going to sit down and hold their hands while they do <laughs> yeah. so. See, I thought you were You're going to wait on the mat and hug them. Yeah, if you and Shannon ever race like uh, in a 40 yard dash, who would win? That's a whole different can of worms that we're going to open up. Yeah, well, who's wearing heels is the question. <laughs> I guess so. I thought, I thought you were going to say this is why Shannon and I shouldn't be podcasters. But anyway, we all thought it was going in a very different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Shannon, uh, most recently with uh, you being on a podcast with Mike and myself, uh, we talked about that how to uh, get new Survivor fans acclimated into the show and the best way to do that. And I just wanted to uh, stop down for a second. Jess, do you have a system... That if somebody is like, hey, I just watched a season of The Amazing Race, I'd like to go back. Do you have a specific order of seasons that you would like new Amazing Race fans to go back and watch the show? Or would you have them go back from one? Well, Rob, I get asked that question so many times. And I feel like sending people all the way back to the beginning will risk burning them out mm-hmm. because right. Yeah, right? yeah that is like you're asking people to commit to an entire year yes. of something exactly. they just discovered mm-hmm. it's it's really not okay to do that and so what i tell them is i will i will point you to our list of some very good seasons and if you pick like any of these very good seasons and you watch them and you want more then pick another one of the very good seasons. And once you're that deep into it, then if you feel like you're ready to make that commitment, go back to the mm-hmm. beginning and watch from the yeah. beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and we get asked this question a lot. Yeah. You do a podcast yeah. on it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's several times a week I get asked this. And I usually just point people to the now very much outdated season rankings that we did yeah. almost five years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah. So we're we're due for a re-up on that. And I figure if Mike and Dan and I add Canada in there, we've got a lot of material to cover. So we'll probably redo that at some point in the future, depending yeah. on when new TV happens. But really, I just say to people, go search out Amazing Race, Ranking the Seasons, listen to our podcast, and pick any of the top 10. Start there. And then if you want to do more, do more of those. And you'll decide very quickly if you're that kind of person. Mike, I do feel like that the big difference there is that I feel like that uh, the Amazing Race like are more standalones, whereas a mm-hmm. lot of what we were talking about with Survivor was, oh no, you can't watch this season; it'll ruin that season. And really, outside of you know the you know four or five different All Star iterations, I think you're mostly more able to jump around in the Amazing Race archives than you are in the Survivor archives without spoiling yourself on a different season. 
Couldn't agree more because I know after the podcast that the three of us did uh, about, you know, particular ways to watch, I sort of got a similar comment of like, oh, you know, I'm going back to watch Amazing Race. Oh, what should I watch from season one? And I'm like, ah, ha, 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 very funny. Uh, but also I agree that shows like Survivor or even something like Big Brother, uh, they they are less, I think, canonical in the way that strategy and production progresses. There's very little reference to previous seasons on Amazing Race, with the exception of Rob, like you're saying, uh, those all-star seasons. And you also don't really get a sense of like team the way teams race evolving based on previous seasons. Obviously, this season is the exception, as you have like a team like Will and James being like, well, this happened in season yeah. 20, so we watched this episode. But I do feel like, to your point, the Amazing Race is more of a product that is less uh, sort of like a product of its time and its place in the evolution of the series and more so like, hey, this is what this is what people were using in 2005 to communicate in book travel. Also, be careful on Robin Amber spoiling Survivor All-Stars for you uh, if you are doing both <laughs> rewatches at the same time, because uh, that could also be true. I wasn't expecting the spoiler there. OK. Oh, man. And how you. would you have known, Rob? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or or like watch. Make sure you don't watch Amazing Race nineteen before you watch Survivor the Amazon or Survivor Africa. Just like make sure any <laughs> any reality TV crossovers you don't want to spoil yourself on before you yeah, check out the other. That's a good product. point, especially there's a lot of Big Brother people along the way. So yeah, the, the Amazing Race could spoil you on other shows. Someone should make a master graphic of this so no one you know gets mixed <laughs> up on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right yeah I, I haven't been following any cbs reality for the last 20 years yeah. <laughs> i'd like to go back what's the right order to watch all of the shows yes thank you mr coma patient that just uh woke up and came back to life you want to check out two decades of reality tv we've got the stuff for you okay. i love this machete order mm-hmm. all right i love this it's like you've just woken up from a coma into 2020 we've got bad news and we have this palate cleanser of all the cbs reality shows yeah. in an order that will please you to it's, kind of take the sting off what yeah. you've woken up. To. It's really a different kind of coma, isn't it? Like yeah. to sort of shut out the rest of the world and embrace mm-hmm. the, you know, the sweet, sweet reality television. But I think this actually might be the topic for a good off season podcast now that I'm thinking about this. Definitely do it. Yeah, like, um, turn your mentions off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's your primer? Like how much time if you if you're gonna watch one season of each show, which which ones do you watch? And then, like, if you're going to commit to several seasons of each show, what seasons you watch and in what order? And then it's kind of like, how little of a life do you have that you're going to commit to this? That's what I said. I said self-respect. But look, (laughs) if you're going to do it, I just highly recommend having done the podcast about uh, nine days ago now. um, And I said at the beginning, I was like, if if you're a newbie, like turn this off. It's not for you. You can slide into my DMs and I'll give you a tailored list. Woke up the next morning to like a dozen DMs. So I was like, oh boy. Um, and I think, yeah, I did. And I think I probably like sent it to at least 50 people in the last week. I saw an info um, this week. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and then we got the graphic, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's made it easier. But yeah, the mentions, I was like, this could not be a more subjective list. It's meaningless. It's a meaningless list. It's just my personal preferences meaningless completely and everyone is like you are wrong and you are a bad person you know i don't i don't want to open up my mentions but i'm going to say if you want another amazing race season to watch after this one watch season five i think yeah. it is probably one of the near unanimously approved seasons of not only amazing race but reality tv from from my purview uh, and so I think, you know, if no matter how many seasons you watch, it's an old school season, but it definitely still has like a lot of great modern TV structures in it. So it doesn't feel so antiquated, even though they filmed in standard definition. 
I think that's the next stop you go. No, people, no matter uh, how you shame. Yeah, mine's always enraged. It's just it. That, yeah, maybe that's my. Maybe that's what makes me angry. That's like makes me Hulk people out. Who it just poo the lack of HD. I just don't know. Like, okay, do you like watch everything on Blu-ray? You know, do you not check out anything that has subtitles or anything that's in, not in black and white? Like, yeah. what what hole yeah, do you live in? Yeah, definitely. De- anyone who won't I was watch in that a coma. Okay, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, a coma for what? Like the four years where it's only stuff that existed in HD, and so you refuse to check out anything standard <laughs> definition. I love how you're like, wait, you won't even watch with subtitles? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I watch things with subtitles, but I feel like a lot of people won't, and that's not, that's like pretty... I don't know, I mean, you're checking, you're missing out on, for example, I don't know, the most recent Oscar-winning movie, if you decide to be that, uh, put the blinders up to the world. Okay, well, mm-hmm. before all of our mentions fill up, let's talk about The Amazing Race 32 and uh, what's been going on. And Shannon, I would love to get your take that we have not talked about Amazing Race too much with you. So could you tell us overall your feelings on uh, this season so far? I've, I've really enjoyed it, but then I feel like I'm wrong because like my history with The Amazing Race is I watched it as a kid, like I watched Survivor and then I fell off with The Amazing Race. I came back last year for the reality competition and I also watched um, The Australian Amazing Race last year and now I've watched this and I think it's really fun, but then I feel like I'm the kind of person who when a casual says they loved, you know, Australian Survivor All-Stars and I'm like, no, no, that's bad. I'm wondering if I'm just watching it wrong, which is a distinct possibility, but I've enjoyed it because I enjoyed the teams. I enjoyed all the a couple of leg designs this week being one of them. Um, the Alliance, I have a lot of thoughts on, hasn't ruined things for me. As someone who's lacking survivor strategy at the moment, I enjoyed having every week pretty much a, a choice that we could debate. Was that a good choice? Was that a bad choice? Like so much strategy in that, whether you agree or disagree, at least for thinking about it. So I've really enjoyed it, but I could, I could be totally wrong. I'm, I'm probably an idiot. Well, but, no, I, I, I mean, I, but I think it's interesting and in that you, you do sort of come in from this perspective of someone who is one of the best like strategic minds for reality TV that I know that obviously like that. having having such a strategy heavy season uh, for good or for bad is, is something that you would be very interested in. And I do think that some of the pushback is coming from those people that are saying, I don't watch Big Brother or Survivor because I don't want strategy. I just want a show where people travel around and race each other. So it's it's interesting. You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the polling stuff about how I think people take a lot of stuff into Amazing Race as as to what exactly they are keen to watch. And I do think for some of those individuals that were like, get, you know, any sort of elements of strategy out of here. I just want to watch teams race against each other. It's been a bit of a harder season to watch then, as opposed to, I think, all four of us who sort of have more of that naturally strategic oriented brain. It's brought up to your point, Shannon, a lot of interesting conversation. But but I would say that that's not what the show is, again, based on my limited knowledge, because it has U-turns in it and it's had the yields in it. And there are decisions to be made. Like this isn't a pure race outrun each other. Mm -hmm. Like this is there's always been that outwit portion of it i mean, in terms of yeah again like the decisions that you make how you work together the the choices you make you know every choice between between roadblocks is you know who's doing the roadblock and who, what detour you're doing that's a choice um so there's always been that mental element of it and and so that's just now playing out here in a different way um i, I don't think i think there is a mental aspect to it whether you enjoy it is one thing but you can't just say that you're just purely watching to watch teams race because that's not what the show is to me. Um, so yeah, I've got a passionate defense here of alliances. Like every time I see someone say 
they should ban alliances and everything. I like my heart breaks in pieces. I'm thinking like, what if they did this after Survivor Borneo? Like, oh my gosh, the alliance of four was the final four. It broke the game. They're not allowed to do that anymore. None of us would be sitting here talking to each other because Survivor wouldn't exist and our lives would be different. So I know it's a different thing, but I'm passionately against the idea of banning alliances. The thing that for me is frustrating where I feel like I know we're talking about strategy and alliances and certainly I have no problem with the concept of alliances that but it almost feels like that people are not necessarily making moves that are the best strategic plays because yeah I can understand okay we want to share information early on and make sure but the idea that these three teams uh, have they always acted in the way that gave each of these teams the best chance to win? I feel like that you would want to, if you were playing at the most optimal strategic level, be bringing the worst teams that you could with you to the final three. So if you somehow could find a way to prop up the terrible teams, uh, make an alliance with them, and then somehow get them to the end, that seems like the most optimal way to have something going on in The Amazing Race. Well, if you want to turn the clock back a few years, I was trying to think of other times when people have been enraged about teams helping other teams. And I want to go back to season 23, actually, because this was the last time I remember people getting really, really... Yeah, I'm remembering this now, yeah. Yes. So we had Jason and Amy... And we had Travis. How about Jason and Amy? Yeah, they were Jason oh, and Amy. Th- sorry, that's my brother and his girlfriend. So. Oh, well, and they watched Jason, G- Jason Gates. Was it my brother? And this is why we brought you on because we want to reveal to you your brother was indeed on the amazing race. Yeah, three years I didn't ago. realize you had a brother in Providence. Yeah, um, there you go. And he was yeah. on the amazing race, and I didn't know. Luckily, I've caught up yeah. now on the show. Yeah, continue. Sorry, just when you hear like a couple names that you hear all the time. Well, actually, I know. And, uh, spoiler alert: your, your brother and his boo thing uh, are a million dollars richer, you just, and you weren't knowing about it. Yeah, wow. they didn't. So mad. I'm so mad. Also, spoilers for season. No, it's fine. You spoil me. It's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well. You know, everybody got spoiled on that when they threw a finale party and invited everyone in the world and said, hey, Jessica Lee. Yeah, I went to the party. It was great. Um, But anyway, this was a case, I think, of there were several occasions where Jason and Amy helped out Travis (laughs) and Nicole. Sorry. Sorry, Shannon. (laughs) Want me to rename them? No, it's fine. You know Travis and Nicole also? No, I don't. I know a Robin and Cole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do Very too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there were times when they paused their own race to make sure that Travis and Nicole were going to move forward. And Travis and Nicole were not terrible racers by any metric, but they certainly, there were times I think the lack of help would have sent them out of the race. And in the end, they ended up being pretty far behind the other two teams for the finals and it like people were genuinely upset at the idea that somebody would jeopardize their own finishing spot in order to make sure somebody else advanced. And I think it was like, why do you, why are you upset about this? Like they're, they're doing it to their detriment. It's not affecting you personally. And I think that was my take on it when it was all happening. Mm -hmm. Well, and let me, clarify something because to shannon's point there's been a lot of chatter that has been 
oddly comparable to if you were on the message boards during the summer of 2000. Yep. Very similar comments <laughs> between Survivor Borneo and this. Let's make one thing clear. What happened in this past episode is not cheating. I have seen up and down all around people being like, they shouldn't, I can't believe they're cheating. They shouldn't be allowed to cheat. It, <laughs> listen, I'm going by the Airbud rules here. There was no explicit rule that said you could not help each other out. Ergo, they were not cheating. I think cheating is more so now a term used for something you don't like. Uh, and so I will say, was it frustrating? Oh, mm. absolutely. Well, I maybe was maybe we should stop down. So you're saying that if something happens that you didn't want to happen, that is not cheating. I yeah, that's I a mean, good lesson for 2020. It doesn't, and it doesn't yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, let me let me <laughs> a statement for yeah. for the for the entirety of humanity. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think that you know it was extremely frustrating. I will double down on that, especially watching it back. It was not a, a good and fun way to end the episode, let alone the final elimination. It's supposed to be fun and good, exactly. It is. But never, but it was not cheating anywhere and in, in any yeah. circumstance. So I, I just think that maybe your 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 feelings are misdirected if you're going forward with saying not necessarily ban the alliance stuff because it contributes to the detriment of the show, but more so they broke the rules. It's cheating. Stone them, tie them to the pillar and take away their prize money. Well, and here's the thing, Mike, just as what they were doing was not cheating, they don't need to put any rules in place to fix this. Yes, this was a thing that people have been saying, oh, you need to make a rule that you can't help each other out at tasks. And and the fact of the matter is we talked about this a lot in the episode recap. We don't need to do that. We just need to make a few tweaks to how they structure the game and what they're requiring people to do at different tasks. And then this all goes away. Like, just don't make everybody have to come up with the same answer. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest way to fix that. And the less of that they do, the less of this kind of collusion there will be. And if somebody wants to take half an hour out of their life to do the roadblock for somebody else, that's their problem. But I think the easiest thing to do, and we've talked a little bit also about how we would, we would handle U-turns because Mm -hmm. I think we want a little bit of teams colluding. We want teams to, you know, this team gets along with this team, but not this team and wants this team to advance. You want a little bit of strategy. You just don't want it to take over because that's not what this game is. And it's different in that way from season one of Survivor, because I think we didn't know back in 2000 that that is literally what the game of Survivor is. And that's not what the game of Amazing Race is. But to be fair, it's only what Survivor is because the players made it that way. And I understand people don't want Amazing Race to be that strategic and I'm probably on like the higher side of how strategy heavy I'd want it to be as a Survivor fan and I get that that's not why the general audience is watching it. I don't need it to be super strategic Um, but I think what I love about alliances is that it does put the game in the player's hands like that's their choice and their decision to make um so i would say you know you guys said it best last week if you are going to just be constricting things of outcomes you don't like that's very put fire in at the final four of survivor um i don't think that's the way to to do things i think what you want to do is give people additional challenges additional choices maybe some things we can work through that complicate the idea of a whole alliance getting to the end and to be fair a team like this did have those choices as you spoke about rob they took the strongest teams so while it seems to a lot of people like okay they've they've gamed the system they've broken the game in that 
they've all made it to the end and helped each other. Um, no, it was a pro-con choice with a lot of cons. They made the choice out of, I think, a lot of loyalty, maybe too much loyalty, out of some benefits. Like here, when you have such strong teams helping you, they will find the answer and they will help you to the end. And that, to me, vindicated a lot of choices that they've made because they did have the strength of these teams to help and get them through. But the, the downside of that is that they're now racing in the finale with the two other strongest teams. Their odds are the worst. And other teams, the evolution of, of strategy will happen with Amazing Race, where other teams will play this differently. Where you, if Tony is Will and James, do you think that he's getting the clue to saying, you know, he's reading the clue and saying it's the order of racing and then going over to the Beard Bros and telling them what to do? Never in a million years would someone like Tony, for example, or Russell, or any of these hyper-strategic players go. They would go and give it to Gary and D'Angelo. They would betray that alliance. That would be fascinating television, and the Beard Bros, who are by far their strongest competition, would not be in the finale. That's a decision someone else might make. Um, that, those, these are decisions some, someone else will make through the evolution of strategy, through like personal choices, and through the fact that an alliance is not breaking the system, is not gaining the system, it's not a catch 22 where everyone you know, it is a catch 22 it's this paradoxical decision where only one team in an alliance will win so many of you are making the wrong choice to be in this situation um and that's the choice that, that they've made and there's really a lot of interesting decisions to it and i don't think that just stomping down on that makes it a more interesting game well so speaking of the beard bros and speaking of strategy I think we have to get into one of the big ticket items from both rob your and jess's interview and my interview with gary and d'angelo Beard Bro Shady AF. Yeah. Just, uh, before you get there, uh, so Jess and I got to speak to Gary and D'Angelo mm-hmm. on Thursday. It was a lot of fun. If uh, you were tuning into the tar pit and expecting to hear the exit interview, we posted it as its own separate piece. You could hear that in our podcast feed at robinswebsite.com. And you could also check out Mike's interview with Gary and D'Angelo up at parade.com. Yeah, so uh, there's going to be some elements of that that I think we're going to be talking about later in feedback. But this element was not specifically mentioned, but I know that in our interview, uh, you know, in my interview and in many other interviews, Gary and D'Angelo revealed uh, a little bit of double dipping on behalf of the Beard Bros. That in addition to having this Mind 5, in addition to having this sort of like Core 3, that apparently since Leg 2, the Beard Bros had approached Gary and D'Angelo and had essentially made another final leg deal. And on top of that, to further cement that, when they were at that music task, the beer bros, while you know, everyone was saying, like, no, D'Angelo, we're not gonna work with you. Apparently on the DL, the beer bros went up to Gary and D'Angelo and they're like, Hey, you know, like if you get the answer, give it to us and we'll do the same, which they flagrantly broke. Now, here's the thing, again, like to the point that Shannon just made, you race however you want to, because it'll come back to bite you, perhaps, or not. But I have to say, and maybe this is just my opinion. I wish we had seen this play out because this would made their edit so much more interesting than what we've gotten through 11 episodes of Riley and Madison, to be completely honest. This is the thing that I'm scared of, Mike. I'm really worried we're getting a Beard Bros win now because we didn't see any of the shady stuff. Well, I don't know why they would make this decision because it wouldn't just make the Beard Bros more interesting. And I feel like they're the most simplistic edit we've got. It would have made the whole season more interesting. Yeah. Like imagine if the instead of it being like there's an alliance of five and now a very simple alliance of three and they're the final three, there was like something about how it just felt so inevitable. Um, that wasn't fun. Whereas if it was like 
the beard bros are double dealing, which alliance will they go with? They now have the decision to make. They've done, you know, they've offered it to both in this task. How much more interesting would that be? Because there'd be obviously like the two pathways for us viewers and we wouldn't know where we'd be going. Okay. All right. Well, Shannon, you are a newcomer to the modern day Amazing Race. Just could, could you uh, maybe pontificate of uh, why they would not make that decision? Um. Basically, because this is not really like that's not the objective of the show is the main reason you wouldn't see that happen. Um, you don't really they don't want to continue to like the, the alliances have been a, a steady part of the game from very early on. Mm-hmm. And you'll since see that one. Yeah. Yes. In season one, even. But they never want to put forth the idea that that it is the central focus of the game. Yeah. But it has been this season, but it's been so it has a boring been. way. And it's been a but it could have been choice. interesting. And I realized that the only reason they put that emphasis on those alliances throughout this season is because there we got that payoff this episode where three teams colluded to get another team out, which I think is just about the first the first time we've ever seen that happen and succeed. We've seen it happen where they're trying to do it and it doesn't quite succeed or they're not really overtly trying to do it, but they have a desired outcome. But you never see teams like actively saying, this is the team we want out and we're going to make it happen. And I thought uh, where you're going was to say that the Amazing Race uh, does like to give us a boring winner where yeah. if uh, yeah. if our if our winner is particularly villainous, sometimes they will, you know, uh, sand some of those uh, sharp edges down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, they- this this is essentially, if the Beard Bros do win, to me, this is the Amazing Race equivalent of what they did with Sarah Lucina in Survivor Game Changers. Where, yeah. like, there is a lot of, like, really interesting, not-so-nice stuff happening on the cutting room floor, but because if they won, they want to present to, like, a somewhat savory pair ends up winning here that you could be sort of fine with then maybe like you said they sort of sand down those edges but i think what's it what it's resulted in is a pair of guys who we know have beards their dad owns a cookie shop yeah. and they play beach volleyball and have it won in a while and that's about it i had to look up which one was riley and madison for this podcast madison um, caller yeah right now i know riley that Riley. yeah but i i think there's also an element to it of like it's the storyline because it is what happened um, and it was probably their, it was their primary thing. Like they very much, this was their primary alliance. They had like a kind of side plan with the NFL players. Um, but I think like, yeah, we see it because it happened and because it worked out that way in a different world. Again, if Gary and D'Angelo get it first and give them the clue, then they they're betraying the alliance and we would have get, we would have had to get more of that for it to make sense. Um, I also saw it in a secret scene. I'm not sure if we're going to watch this, but um, Riley and Madison, I think it was Riley that was mad at Madison because Madison had run over so quickly to give the oh, answer yeah. to the other teams um, when they didn't know where they were going. So again, in a different world, they're like, we don't know where we're going. We, we can't afford to give them this. It's like the foot race is going to be too close. Who knows if Gary and D'Angelo are going to get it. And then they don't give them the clue. And then they've betrayed it. I feel like there are so many other ways that it could have gone, but because it happened to like end up lining up um, with these small little decisions. We got the clean overarching narrative of like, it was Alliance. It's the easiest thing to tell. It's wrapped up in a neat little package when it was more complicated than that. And again, would be and will be more complicated in different permutations. Yeah. And it's a thing that we've kind of, we've kind of beaten into the ground this season is that this kind of Alliance making and colluding and helping each other happens every season. And we've had former racers confirm this, but 
because it had such a strong payoff this episode that was the reason we got so much of it and i think the reason people are so upset they're upset they didn't know it but they were upset about this exact thing happening at the end of this episode even if they hadn't seen it yet i can see that yeah i mean it was upsetting to watch like even though i think that you've all said like i don't think the teams did anything they could have done differently as humans or as strategists like this was something that needed to be done in this like really difficult task and i i would agree that it wasn't what they were intending to do based on the fact that they didn't give the tile answer last week um i just think it got that hard and they needed the time obviously to to split the the answers and they needed the critical thinking that all of them could bring. Um, And I don't think they did anything wrong. I think it vindicated some past decisions that I've been like, what are you doing helping strong teams, especially the beard bros, where maybe they could have even lastly gotten like a Will and James out. But now Will and James are here to give them that answer and to help them. As strategists, I loved it. But how could you not hate Gary D'Angelo going out that way, taking a penalty of all things, not knowing that they hadn't been part of an alliance, that they had been part of the larger alliance, probably not understanding why they had been, you know, kind of cut out of that. It was just hard to watch on like a personal level, but I don't blame any of the teams for that. Yeah, the other thing I think we have to look at, because we're talking a lot about how this is, this may be bad strategy, but something that is hard to remember in times like this is that some of it is very personal and some of it is just to do with these are the people that I like better. These are the people I've responded to more. It has nothing to do with like evaluating in a vacuum, whether they're good racers or bad racers, just like I get along with them. And that was kind of the thing that happened with Leo and Alana. They said they weren't even thinking about it from a strategic point of view. They're just like, well, we made friends with Haley and Kaylin and we wanted to help them and they would help us. But we didn't think about like, are they objectively good racers we want to take to the end? We just wanted to experience it with them. Yeah, and and that was a large part of this, too much. And I actually hate that because I watched the secret scene where Riley and Madison said that, like, in a perfect world, like, Iswan Apana would be here because we're in an alliance with the strongest teams. And it's like, well, they probably could have been there if you'd made some different strategic choices, but they wanted to be that loyal. And I don't like that because that's unpurposeful and unstrategic. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, like, if you're making the choice, it's like, we want strong teams because they can help us and it paid off for them. Great. If you want to make the choice of we want weak teams, we can beat them. Great, but make a strategic choice. Don't just—I I hate the fact strategically yeah. that they took along the two strongest other teams just pu- based on pure loyalty. Like you met these people two weeks ago. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and, and I don't know if this is like too nuanced to say. Like, I feel like that the idea of the mine five was strategic, and the idea of the yeah. mine three was unstrategic. Yeah, it was basically like, hey, I mean, mine five. I mean, it was it was even like not so much strategic as like coincidental. Right. It's like, oh, us five teams happen to be here. We feel good about each other. But yeah, I think the core three was absolutely personal of like, I mean, even when, you know, when we saw that next leg, it was Riley and Madison reaching out to Will and James. Like even then you could tell which teams really had a personal connection. And it, I guess it paid off for them in that like they were the tighter three to, I guess, overpower those other two teams. But yeah, I, I do think. And you see this again, you know, if this was a different combination of three teams from the mind five, I do not think they're doing the big group hug on the mat when they're talking to Phil about how they're going to New Orleans at the end of all this. That was my favorite part of the episode, by the way, not that, but the cut from Phil being like, guys, don't help each other this round. There's, mm-hmm. there's no reason that it's different from all the other rounds. Like he said it was all or nothing, which it wasn't. That's next week. Um, like, just please, guys, be cool. Be cool. You're ruining the show. In two years from now, people <laughs> are going to be really mad. Just just for me. All right. Flew around the world for me, please stop. Cut to forty minutes later in the exact same spot. These teams crying and hugging each other, How jumping it started, into each other, going. 
Exactly. Yeah. And like they're, they're standing there as this like one team with their arms all around each other. Like it was such a flagrant disrespect to what Phil had so kindly and purposely asked. Just please, guys, please don't. And they're like, Phil, no, no. It's not, if it helps us, as they should. If it helps us, we're going to do it. But like, Phil, thank you for giving us what you want, and we're just going to completely throw it in your face. We have a lot of feedback this week that are kind of around, grouped around several different themes. So I'm going to hit you guys with two different feedback questions from two different people that kind of relate to the same thing. Um, this or that. Yeah, it's kind of this <laughs> or that. It's kind of this and that. And um, it's. Yes, so I know what that we is got now. U, we got U turned and we have to do this and that. Yes. Can I, I, I just like pepper Mike with these like completely inane questions all week about the amazing race. And I was so confused when this or that came up because I was like, why don't they know what the challenge is? I'm like, it was very confusing for a new viewer. So poor Mike, he just like gets such random, amazing race questions, like five out of seven days a week. Probably. No, I love it. I mean, the, I think the one of the last thing you answered, not to like, again, out your super casual status, but you're like, what's the penalty for if they switch team members during the roadblock? And I'm like, oh, it's actually forbidden. And I think like, yeah, I wonder if they ever considered like, instituting a penalty for possibly switching team members, you know, or if they always made it from the beginning, you were always locked into that decision point. So it's a nice way to re reinvestigate certain points that were made over the course of the race with regards to production as well. So win, win. <laughs> um, first of all, from soy Gonzalo, he says, I feel like the level of racers this season is below average. I have nothing to back this up, but I feel like if any of these teams were to compete in an all-star season, they would be at the bottom. Am I crazy? And then similarly, my friend, Phil Abramson, wrote in to say, I don't think this is the worst season by a long shot. I actually find it very entertaining with many personable teams. What I do think is that this is the worst played season ever. The sloppiness of none of the teams following the clear instructions of their clues is pretty astounding. This leg especially, but it's not even the first time we've seen it so often this season. I get it that in the heat of the moment, it's easy to miss some details, but really, all of them regularly? So that's the question I'm putting forth to you. Do we think that the racers this season are doing a bad job of racing. I mean, alliances aside. Mm, I mean, it's sort of, we, we talked about this actually a bit, I think back in episode three, when like we just had that another mass misreading of the clue mm. with the, the groceries and everything. And we had talked about how even early on, they had adopted this like killer fatigue schedule from the beginning of like minimal time during pit stops. You're just going to keep going Keep on keeping on. I wonder if at this point they'd still continue to institute that schedule and how much we can factor that into their decisions. Because, yeah, I completely agree. On paper, in a penultimate leg for all four teams to miss the school. I mean, we talked about on Wednesday how, again, I feel like the actual addition of this was kind of asinine and unnecessary and only prolonged uh, a clue that was already hard to begin with. But I think it is pretty glaring fatigue or not that all of these teams got the exact same detail wrong uh essentially on a clue in the penultimate leg of the race when they are you know they've pretty much cut their teeth on the amazing race at this point did gary and d'angelo get it wrong i'm so confused about this because they they are saying in the x interview so they just didn't know it was france they seem to get it in the right order a couple of times those first three which and they said they felt the perfect about two and pretty good about a third, which meant there would be only six other options for them to swap out for the fourth, which is definitely what they should have done. But then I would notice that then they would come back with the wrong order. So I was like, did they luck into having three correct? Because they seemed the closest, but they couldn't have truly lucked in because then they would have gotten it so wrong that they would have been almost right. I don't yeah, know. I, 
I, I, think, I think they did. Um, I think they did luck into it. You think they lucked into like comp- yeah. getting the completely yeah. wrong song? I mean, in the I mean, at, at a certain point, I mean, they were there for what they said, like three and a half, four mm-hmm. hours. I they, I can't imagine how many combinations they would try, and I could imagine that they wanted to include those couple to be like, oh, look at how close they were, and they just didn't even realize it. But I guess let me amend my statement before. Apparently, Gary and D'Angelo were the ones to pick up on that it was in order of when you listen to it on the oh, race. Right. For them, it was that they just yeah. couldn't get France because Gary yeah. was there for like five minutes mm-hmm. in the gallery. If that's the case, so they only had six options to try. That's very frustrating to me. You know, I don't think it was so much that everybody didn't read the clue. I feel like it was like Riley and Madison were the ones that said it first. And I feel like Hung and Chi like uh, read their clue. They had it right. And I think they just got sort of infected by the you know, uh, bad thinking of, um, I mean, I'm not sure if Will and James, uh, what, what their deal was, but it seemed like it was Riley and Madison who were the first people to, uh, you know, announce, okay, uh, it's, you know, the order that the songs are being played and not really to be focused on that one small part of the clue. It was so frustrating, especially on the rewatch, hearing them literally say, you, you must plug, you know, just put it in the order that you race. And then they would play that sound, which I'm obsessed yep. with and mm-hmm. I want in my life. The din, 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 din. And I want that in my life. Like whenever I make a wrong decision, like I want like my husband to come into like the kitchen at one in the morning and I'm just like eating ice cream and it's like, din, din, din. <laughs> like I've made the wrong decision tonight. Can you put that on the soundboard? I will definitely be using I that. Mean, we have, right. It's hard to isolate because there's usually... Yeah, and I know, I know we played it back in episode three when all that... When we heard it at least like two dozen times. Yeah. yeah that was like I horrific mean, to me. It was like every time they go... Yeah, it's, it's hard to isolate, but it's so perfect that every time they make even the smallest mistake, the, the sound effects judge them is one of my favorite parts of The Amazing Race. Yeah. So, I mean, just you're, you're our amazing race expert historian here. What do you think about the validity of these statements? Do you think this is a, a lower tier crop of racers compared to seasons past? I don't think it's a lower tier crop. I think they're working with very different conditions. As you mentioned, Mike, I think they're just exhausted. I think they tried to cut some corners by upping the pace of this season. And as a result, everybody got tired. And when you get tired, you get sloppy. So we had killer fatigue by the third leg, which is unheard of. And I think if you put any of these racers in any other season, I think they'd be as competitive as they were this season, if not more so. I think that the top three teams, I think, are very strong teams. I think it just might have been a little bit more of a top heavy season in terms mm-hmm. of like overall, if you were going to have like, I, I think that might maybe we had some of the teams uh, might have been a little bit below replacement level. I think the three teams yeah. that are left now are the three best teams that we had in this race. I would agree. It's almost to me like a season 20 where you have like two or three really good teams. I mean, it should be stated that only four teams came in first place this entire season, and they ended up being the top four. Whereas opposed to, I love them, but Kalen and Haley are far from, you know, lovely lovely people, maybe not the best racers. And so I, I do feel like while I think from a personality perspective, I think this cast was firing on all cylinders. I do think there was some stratification going on in terms of race skill, which is another reason why we ended up with this final three the way that we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think usually it's a little more mixed up, although it is, I think it's worth noting that pretty much every team, apart from like the first two that, that went out, finished in the top three or four at least one time, which I appreciated more than having it 
completely stratified where you have the top tier and the middle tier and the bottom tier. So let's go back to our memory challenge for a second, because we talked a bit on Wednesday about ways that we could uh, have made it to prevent collusion between these teams. Uh, not kind of suggestion in the memory challenge, normally in the last leg, normally the teams would be separated and, and have their own work area so they couldn't cheat slash collude. Are the producers at fault for not doing the same this year? And would the results have been any different? So yeah, let, let's, let's go back to that area. Let's go back to uh, that park and let's just put up little dividers or separate them around the, the circle, around the, the band with areas mm-hmm. where they can't necessarily look on with each other. Do we think a different outcome happens there? Or do you think eventually these three teams still come together? Well, it's interesting. I think that barrier is not up in the previous memory challenges so that teams won't collude because at the point when you usually have the memory challenge, there's absolutely zero incentive to collude because it's like the last thing before you win a million dollars. So it's more, those barriers are up to keep people from cheating off of each other. Mm -hmm. And, but that being said, I do think that might have, like you put everybody like in their own isolation stall, looking at the, looking at the band that does sort of, that does sort of fix the problem. Just does that speak to that this might have been an issue with leg design, whereas if this task is in the final leg as opposed to where there's one elimination left that the teams would not have been working together? Well, I think they definitely, the reasons to do it disappear entirely if they put it in the final leg. But I, I honestly liked that we had the memory task in the penultimate leg instead of the final leg because everybody's expecting it in the final leg. And so they're like on the last, on the plane back to the States, they are studying all their notes. They're Mm -hmm. trying to predict what it's going to be. They're looking at like every flag, everything, every greeter said, everything that might be in it. And if you go in to the penultimate leg and you don't expect a memory test, you haven't studied, you haven't looked at your notes and it Mm -hmm. catches you off guard. I, I like that you contextually as you're saying. What I didn't like about it was just if you know to get into the leg design of this leg, the whole thing about the city sprint seemed to be like it's all about speed and luck and getting it done, but not skill. You know, it's not a high heel race that you have to win, but you just have to do it. You know, it's it, it's just just get it done um, without skill. You know, th- no detours or roadblocks where you'd have to choose what skill benefits you and actually advance past people with your skill. Um, and I think they were hoping maybe would even the playing field by making it so just like get it done, speed, luck, you know, they were passing each other. It's all very quick. And then they got to the last task, which was so skill-based that it made all the other tasks completely <laughs> redundant. So I kind of feel it was like a city sprint thing. Either make it all that where it's all just, you're doing like 15 quick tasks, get it done, no skill, literally sprinting to the same spot. It's not my cup of tea, but they're trying to change it up. It's a bit different. But then to do all of that and then to go to the complete opposite where you could, on your own merit and skill, be hours better than another team just made all the other tasks redundant. And it just completely encouraged them to collude because now it was the only task in the leg and the other stuff was just like a pre-show to this one task that was relevant to the to the leg. Yeah, it really was hurry up and wait, this leg, yeah. right? And that, and that was like, we've got that in the past when it comes to like the hours of operation, which they've done sort of away with nowadays with modern leg design planning. But sometimes it's happened where you've had a bunch of tasks and then like everyone gets equalized by hours of operation where they have to wait for something to open the next day. We didn't have that in this case, but this time it was in the form of a task where essentially it was a big brick wall of no matter how quickly you ran into that brick wall, you had to stop, figure out how to climb over it and then move on. And that caused everyone else to sort of reach a, 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 you know, a, a 
a big bunching point. I mean, I guess it did make it exciting in that it really could have been anyone's game going into obviously that collusion at the end, but it was it was an odd momentum stopper. Yeah, it really did kind of it did negate the whole concept of a sprint. Like you can't have yeah, this was not sprinting. They were all standing in one place scratching their heads. If you're gonna sprint, sprint. Like do these quick things that no one will you'll never be held up for because there's no skill involved. Don't stand there for three and a half hours painstakingly looking over the same flags. Do you think the production knew that this challenge was going to be as difficult as it turned out to be? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think they did. Because it seemed like the big problem was that they misinterpreted the clue. I I just wonder if they, like, had all, like, come in and, like, okay, put it in the right order. Like, was it so hard for everybody that they didn't know the song? Yeah, but if they if they didn't think people were going to do that, they there would be no incentive to have it be in a different order. Mm-hmm. They would have just had it be in the right order to begin with. I think they they definitely wanted to make it that hard. And the fact that it was something that people weren't going to be necessarily consciously noticing makes it even harder. We'll be right back with more Tar Pit. But first, I want to take a moment and thank a sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Uh, Those are our friends over at Springtime Supplements. You know, dogs are more than just our pets. They're part of our family. Their bodies can age, too, and their day-to-day diet could use some help. Get the most out of your dog and upgrade their health with Springtime Natural Supplements and Treats. They're for dogs of all ages, and their products are made with natural ingredients, ingredients that are tested to ensure purity, quality and safety things like joint health so you could provide your dog's joints with the help that they need whether they're growing and active or if they're slowing down with age uh, something that some of us can relate to uh, you want to make sure that they have a great skin and coat you know Itchy and dry skin is something that can affect your dogs, too. If their coats are dull or dry, you can also help them with springtime supplements. If you're looking for a natural product to deter fleas and ticks, springtime supplements is the way to go. Things like digestions as well. Their line of all-natural treats your dog will crave, including real meat cookies, bully sticks, and exotic chews. See what hundreds of thousands of grateful dog owners have to say about springtime natural dog supplements and treats and help your dog live a happier and healthier life. Go to springtime.com slash R-H-A-P to get free shipping on your first order and learn how you can save up to 55%. Podcast listeners will receive free shipping on their first order with the promo code R-H-A-P when you visit springtime.com. That's up to 55% off when you use the promo code R-H-A-P at springtime.com. Now let's get back to talking about the race. Okay, so do we want to move on to another question? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we have a, we have some questions about. Um, well, I want to I want to call out uh, one of our listeners, Stan C, wrote in and had some great questions about Manila because he is very familiar with the area, and they're mostly observations. But um, I want to call out two things that he said. Um, The first thing he said was, I'm surprised nobody on the podcast recognized the dancing traffic enforcer from his season 25 appearance. This is particularly fresh to me because I had just binged season 25 this week and I geeked out seeing him in the Manila leg when he had just appeared on season 32 as well. This dude went viral for being the dancing traffic enforcer years ago and he was a nice local Easter egg for us Filipinos. 
And then he's a returning player, so now we need to know that in our watch order that we don't get spoiled on here. Exactly. But but thanks that that's a great call out because we've only been to the Philippines, I think, three times, right? It was five twenty five, and then this. So this dude making a return appearance is big. Yeah, and I had really, I had honestly, I'd wanted to design a game this week around like things that happened when the Amazing Race went to the Philippines. But the fact of the matter is. The U.S. version has been there three times, and a lot of that is rehashing stuff they already did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. They hey, did the Mayak broke, broken Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I understand why they would keep doing the Myox is broken task, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that uh, they really there's probably a lot to do in Manila, and they keep going to the same well. And this week they kind of didn't even they didn't even try to design another leg around it. So Stan had another question, more of a question for us and also an interesting fact for us that I would not have, that I would not have known about, but I kind of assumed, but I didn't know for sure. But he says, I have a question regarding pit stop greeters. Is there supposed to be a unifying theme for them throughout the season? Or is there a particular criterion that goes into choosing one? Is the Philippine pit, pit stop greeter was former professional basketball player, EJ Phil, who's most known for being the tallest Filipino ever to play in, in the Philippine Basketball Association. Other than that, he's not really remarkable and he looked bored as hell standing next to Phil on the mat. I think I know why they use this guy because height was a massive part of this leg that went unseen. Um, in the secret scenes was very much how they were like in those cars. What was it, the cars called? The uh, jeepneys. Jeepneys. Uh, and these teams are so tall. Like Will and Gary are both six six, which is crazy. Um, and like all the teams are tall, I guess, except Hung, who speaks about how she's five foot flat. And even then, the average height of these four teams was like six one and a half. And they were all just like crammed into these cars. And height seemed to be a really big factor. So maybe like he was there being like, I get it. It's really hard. It's really hard <laughs> to be so tall. So to answer so to answer Stan's question a bit about pit stop greeters. So there usually isn't a unifying theme unless it's incorporated into like a final memory task. You know, if it's like, what did this sometimes if they're talking about things from previous legs, they'll like use something that the pit stop greeter wore in a certain leg. But usually I imagine it's just like putting out a call of like, okay, let's just bring in somebody. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a local celebrity like this guy, or like, for example, Phil's dad when they yeah. went to Christchurch, <laughs> New Zealand uh, during the amazing race. So it really does run the gamut from regular old people to maybe local celebrities to friends or family of production. And sometimes it's um, like local, like they have a lot of beauty pageant winners, I think that show up in this and um in one memorable occasion they got alan Wu, who's the host of amazing race asia to be the greeter so it's a lot of um it's a lot of just trying to find somebody that's a good connection to the area and sometimes if they can't think of anybody they get a person in a puffin suit (laughs) all right so let's finish up the feedback here uh, and let's bring it back to the other topic that sort of came out of the gary and d'angelo interview namely we uh, really enjoyed the way D'Angelo ended up leaving this race. Some people do not necessarily have the same opinion. This is from Mike D, who said, In Robin Jess's exit interview, Gary said he binge-watched at least 10 seasons of the show to prepare for the race. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounded like D'Angelo did literally nothing. Maybe he would have known what he was getting into if he'd done even the slightest bit of preparation. As a super-duper fan of the show since season one, and as someone who has applied to be on the race before... D'Angelo's comments come off as the ultimate screw you to me. 
I feel like if he wasn't going to be willing to embrace the experience, he should have just stayed home and let someone else take his place. Am I the a-hole here, or am I just justified even the tiniest bit for feeling this way? Now, Shannon, I know that, that you sort of had a, a rant incoming prepared about the D'Angelo, so I guess this is the perfect opportunity to bring that up. No, I mean, I loved it from D'Angelo. Um, and you can say, you can say like, well, he should have just stayed home. He was the best character on the whole race. Mm-hmm. And he's a celebrity. Like, he's not just applying like the rest of us. Um, he has, he's, there's so many reasons to have D'Angelo Williams on the race beyond just the fact that he's a super fan. You know, mm-hmm. he brings something different. He has, even the fact that he can, he has this completely different life that we're getting a glimpse into. He's such an entertaining person. Um, he obviously brings fans because he is a celebrity. Like, there's so many reasons to have him. Um, and I don't understand why people are, I mean, I get why people are upset by the final words because I think they were like, look, it's true, but you shouldn't say it. Like, you don't need the money. It's irrelevant to you, but you shouldn't say it. I wasn't it. But upset it's like, by it. I loved it. No, I, I mean, this is who D'Angelo is. This is why we love him. He shoots from the hip. He's reactionary. He can be emotional about it. Who's calling for politeness on reality TV? We want everyone to just kind of take it. Yeah. No, like he gave us a big yeah, we, moment. We want you to stop getting polite and start getting real. <laughs> <laughs> well, like he, and he, was, he was arguing with Gary about whether they even enjoyed the race. Um, I was smiling to myself so hard listening to your ex-interview as they were like bickering to end mm. the interview. Yeah. He's great TV. That's why you have him on. Not because he's a super fan who really wants to be there. Do you think that matters to casting people? Like, no, they want good TV. A couple of things. Does, I mean, first off, this is more Gary's fault than D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. Does D'Angelo <laughs> even know you're supposed to watch the seasons of the show no, that no, you're going to go like on? Gary. He doesn't Come know on. that. Uh, that's Gary. Gary's watching 10 seasons. He could have made sure that uh, D'Angelo checked one out. I don't think that that changes anything along the way in terms of the race and third of all that poor d'angelo williams he got sold a bill of goods that Mm. his friend says hey you want to go on this show that the amazing race we get to race around the world d'angelo williams says will i get to go to the eiffel tower and and gary (laughs) says absolutely no problem I, I don't see any issue with that. You, if we go on this, you, I always wanted to go to the Eiffel Tower. That's been a dream of mine. I always wanted to, like, I'm telling you, we're racing around the world. Chances are, I mean, if we're in Paris, you're going to the Eiffel Tower. And then they get that man to Paris, France, and he has to look at the Eiffel Tower to, with his nose pressed up against the glass in his hotel room. And he doesn't get to go to visit it. Yeah. Well, I think Gary was thinking of Gary through this whole process because I think Gary really wanted Gary. Yeah. Gary wanted to go on the amazing race and I can't fault him. If I'm Gary Barnage and I want to go on the amazing race, what is my best option to get on the amazing race? Your famous friend to go with you. My famous friend to go with me. Like if, if I'm a Brando and I want to go on the amazing race, I get my famous friend to go with me. And so I think he might've at a certain point, was just telling D'Angelo anything D'Angelo wanted to hear to get him to sign up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, basically to, to sort of illuminate what Rob said, because again, if you haven't listened or, or read the interviews, essentially D'Angelo was not angry at the actual racing component. He was more so mad that during their downtime, they were not allowed to basically freely explore. Uh, it seems like particularly this season, it's weird because we saw some clips last season of like, I remember the the uh, Afghanimals like going sightseeing before they got on their flight somewhere. Apparently this season, maybe this is part of like the super rushed aspect of it. They really locked down these teams. And so I think D'Angelo was suffering a bit from cabin fever, which is great for TV. 
but bad from a mental health perspective. I think D'Angelo was essentially experiencing with some, even just the biggest super fans experience of like, you you think the experience is going to be one thing and then you go on the show and you realize mm-hmm. it's something else. It's Colby Donaldson in Survivor Heroes versus Villains being like, I thought I could wander out and go fishing and they, I can't. I'm stuck here. And so I do think, you know, again, I completely agree that I think him, the way he said the stuff that he did really did not come off great and did kind of come up across like, screw you guys. I didn't even want to be here. Uh, you know, you don't, you didn't even need me to begin with. But I do think that I think his experience while still positive, a net positive was hampered by the fact that he thought it was going to be one thing. And even when he thought he had downtime to explore the world, he was basically told to hurry up and wait and just stay in one corner until they got released again into the world. But I, I will say, like, in terms of Gary getting D'Angelo to watch seasons, there was a secret scene where D'Angelo talks about how his entire wife's, like, his wife's entire family is from the Philippines and they've been asking him for decades to go and he just changes the subject and refuses. So I don't think that they, they could have got him to watch the, I don't think D'Angelo does what he doesn't want to do unless he's like tricked into it, which is basically what Gary did. Um, but I, I do think, like, as much as D'Angelo said, it wasn't because I lost, it was just about like this other stuff. I think the comments came a little bit off like being betrayed in that way and losing because look, if you're, if you can't have this experience on your own dime, which you could and better, apparently you're not a fan of the show. You don't need the money. You're already famous. Like why are you doing this other than again, getting completely tricked? But I think the only thing fueling him would have been the competition aspect. If he won, even if he didn't get to see the Eiffel tower, he's not saying that he, you know, regrets going on the show not because he needs the money but just from pure competition so i think losing as an athlete and a professional competitor probably sparked that and then he was like well why am i even here um but it was a great moment like it's a moment that will be referenced i think and who would not want that do we want him to just be like thank you for the experience yeah no then he wouldn't be d'angelo and that would be bad tv yeah i'm kind of wondering and and maybe like uh some of our uh listeners uh that maybe uh have seen some of uh d'angelo williams post-game press conferences in the past uh maybe uh panther chris if you're out there that i would love to hear like uh the, are there any like legendary interviews with d'angelo williams like following mm. a loss like uh d'angelo uh any regrets uh today about the game like yeah yeah uh i, I wish we didn't <laughs> play this team i'm really that they i don't know why they why we had this game plan this was a terrible plan that uh, I, I didn't have to do this. I didn't yeah, have to be I, here. If I, if I could have wanted to play football, I would have done on my own money with my friends. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to come out here, lace up the yeah. shoes. Rob was I there. could see the snack cart from the field, couldn't even get a snack. Mm-hmm. It was right there. My yeah. man was so <laughs> yeah. You know, that uh, I'm in my hotel room in Seattle. I wanted to go to the Space Needle that I had to be <laughs> in my room last night. <laughs> Was this Rob? Was this essentially the Amazing Race version of like we're not talking about the game, we're talking about practice in terms of like a, a blow up at a, a third party? Uh, I now know what that is. Yeah, I'm not. Ex- <laughs> I'm not exactly sure if it's uh if it's one in the same because I feel like that that's sort of like like asking about something that's sort of like irrelevant to what had just happened instead of just and again I, I don't know what the context was where. Who's that? Allen Iverson? Uh, you know, yeah, you're talking so. about or, or, could, or it could be the infamous playoffs. Like maybe that <laughs> sort of reaction is more like it. Wow! Like I had no idea you were such a sports guy. Yeah, those, those yeah. are literally the only two viral sports, sports clips that quote, I know. Brant Steele uh, coming up this offseason. All right, yeah, we really reached. You play to win the game. Hello. 
Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's talk about some secret scenes here. Shannon has illuminated some, but luckily not all. So we have a few here. And of course, listen, Gary and D'Angelo have been the stars of these secret scenes. I know we were absent of them last week, but I cannot finish off. I cannot you Googleize their time on the race without pointing out their dynamic at least a couple more times. So let's start with with one that was sort of shown on the show, but was definitely more elaborated on here. Uh, Gary and D'Angelo have to proceed on foot to a certain route marker and have to find their cab driver to pay them off. And things do not go very well. And this is, this will also, I think, bring up an interesting discussion point about maybe a little bit of Amazing Race 101. Okay, all right. Here we go. Uh, let's talk about uh, what is going on here in uh, the latest Gary and D'Angelo secret scene uh, called Man on a Mission. Uh, these are men on a mission. Okay. The Central Post Office. Mega Garden is having a rock show. Travel here to get your next info. All right, now we got to find a cab. Go. Come on. He's going to be Travel on foot. Okay. We got to well, go on foot. We got to find, find our cab, cab. anyways. Yeah. Come on. Let him know. Oh, you picked that up for me? We should just pay him and go. All right, let's do that then. We got to find him, though. Yeah. Where is he? I don't know. That's why. You said buy this thing. Are you got a taxi? No. He's not. I don't know what our taxi looks like. Right, you want to pause it here, Rob, for a second, because it's going to keep going. But So we should point out, because this is a visual component. So Gary and D'Angelo's taxi driver is standing about 10 feet from mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Uh, the and, camera and, work and, here is very, like, uh, office, the sitcom-like, uh, where they have run out of frame, and the cameraman is, like, panning back to uh, presumably the taxi driver, which is, like, uh, in the shot, right? Yes, and so that is him, uh, the the man in the fetching red polo. And literally every time, or we're going to keep going with this, literally every time, because they go around the whole park, every time they mention that they can't find him, just imagine the camera cutting back to this man just milling about, waiting for these two lunatics to come find them again. Unless he's over there. Well, we got to find him. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to run all the way back. Come on. No, we don't. Yeah. Gary and D'Angelo are about 100 feet away from the camera at this point. Uh, that they are like, uh, they've like, zoomed in to get them. They are very far away. We got to find our cab. We got to pay him. And he told him to come here and we can't find him. He could have parked <laughs> on this side road, too. Cutting back oh, to Gary. the cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the same frame with him. on our taxi. Oh, he's right here. Oh. Hey. Come on. Where you at? Where you no, at? No, Come on. We're going to pay you. Can hey, we pay no. you? Huh? Just tell him to meet us there. Yeah, yeah here. Cue the... Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Wait, wait. Is D'Angelo the translator? Like, why is Gary using D'Angelo to give the message uh, to the cab driver here? Maybe D'Angelo's just a good middleman. You know, he's a running back. He's able to get in between places quicker than Gary is. Yes, I guess so. Uh, D'Angelo Williams is like the C-3PO of this adventure, <laughs> where he's able to uh, give the instructions to the uh, Filipino cab driver. Is that, that works why, on many levels, Rob. Is, is that why he wanted to, you know, explore the world? Is because he might be hailed by a god by the people if he made his way out into the world? Yeah. So, so, so this begs the question because this did happen in the episode proper while they were at this horse task. And sometimes we see it in the amazing race where someone will walk by something that they need. And the camera, as you mentioned, Rob, will pan back to it. And so it's a little bit of amazing race 101. Jess, 
Why do people not know when the camera is going back to the things that they are oh so desiredly after? Well, you got to pay attention to the camera person. <laughs> the thing is, Mike, they're looking for something else. They're not looking at what the camera is doing. And I think there's also this factor of when you are on one of these shows, you would think that you would care about the what the camera guy is doing all the time. And after a while, you sort of forget they're there. And I think part of this is just, they're so laser focused on trying to find the thing that they keep missing that they don't think to, to think about if the cameraman is looking there. Cause if it could literally be anywhere, you don't think it's going to be right in front of you. So that's, that's my take on it anyway. Mm -hmm. I I try to be very charitable to people that do that because I know if I was ever on one of these shows, I would be that person. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, so we're on the podcast right now with two people that have been on reality TV proper. I mean, is, is that the case of just like oh, camera people? Put I know me and Robin, I'm like, were you ta- are you talking about me? Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> Barely been on reality TV, Mike, but okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, uh, so I guess, yeah, from that perspective, I mean, is it true about that? I know obviously it's a very different circumstance, but the camera people, you don't necessarily pay attention to to what they might be doing because they're so singularly focused you on know, what's going on. I mean, I didn't play Survivor in the Hidden Immunity Idol era so that I feel like that th- those kinds of observations were lost on me. If there was a time when that they're filming something else instead of me, like uh, I didn't notice it. And I have repressed my time mm-hmm. on reality TV, so I don't rem- I don't remember what they were doing. Yeah. Um. But like, genuinely, when they went to Paris in 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 France in this season, I was like, actually getting a little bit of like flashbacks, but in a good way. I was like, damn, it was fun that I got uh, to go to Angela like speech uh, after your time in Australia's Next Top Model, Shannon. No, because we did it. Like we really experienced it. Like we went to a beautiful castle, like what they did, um, and we got to go onto the Eiffel Tower as well. So I didn't have that problem. I mean, I didn't do a lot of things in Paris I would have done if I'd been there myself, and I obviously have to go back. But I mean, for the free experience, I was not complaining. That's one of the only things I won't complain about about Top Model. So mm-hmm. ugh, every time I mention on the podcast, people Google it. Don't Google it. Okay. Well, now Sorry. you're just making me Google it further. Don't Google it. Yeah. Uh, um, what I didn't realize is that the band had a name, Jess, that they went to go see. That the band that was performing was called Mega Garden. Mega Garden. Is this like? Do they do I just Mega Lake? No, it's they Mega just, Garden. <laughs> they just do covers of Mega Death and Savage Garden. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, Mega Garden. I love yeah. that mashup. I would. So I mean, instead of one song, it's four songs played in a row. Quadruple the songs. Quadruple the distance. Mm-hmm. Love Mega Garden. All right. So let, they let's have to play for so long as well. They probably weren't expecting. They yeah, weren't I mean, expecting such a gig. They experienced their own mega yeah. leg, in a manner of speaking. They're they like really the, uh, <laughs> the the day players at the Kazakhstani uh, film studio who didn't know they were going to have to reenact the same <laughs> scene four hundred times. Imagine if for some reason some of the Mega Garden people were part of that scene, like, oh, I have the worst luck. <laughs> First, these people don't know what a spear is. Now mm. nobody read their clue. I'm having the worst days on set with Amazing Race. <laughs> See, I love, because you guys, I completely agreed with you. It did totally feel like a work obstacle course. And I was listening to your podcast with Miles and I that day, so I was like, maybe I'm influenced, but it really did feel that way. I think because they were starting and ending at the same point, it felt very insular. But I kind of like the idea that there is just like a group, a travel group running this, and they're all the people. They're in the high heels mm-hmm. race. They're the band. They're in the lion costume. Just like, the second a team gets it, they throw off the lion costume, run to the horses, just like, you know, making it work just a few people. 
Yeah, I like the idea that there's a, a just like a traveling band of like amazing race extras. Yeah, the amazing yeah. race players, <laughs> the dream team. That's yeah. I love that job. I would take. Mm-hmm. I I totally think I think they should they should have that. Can we go back and make sure that nah that we would know if they were extras? No, these are real people. All right, so let let's send off Gary and D'Angelo in style with a classic argument. This is from the first forty seconds of one of their final secret scenes together as they really just have a small bickering session as to whether or not a football metaphor works in the case of the penultimate leg. You have the final four teams fighting for three playoff spots. Continue. That, that makes no sense it, because... It definitely makes sense. It does not. Four teams battling for the three spots in the playoffs that could happen. It's happened before. No, I don't think you understand. Like, you don't have to come in first. There's not a first place. First, right? right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so it's one team fighting for three spots each team is fighting for three spots there's three three spots for, out of four teams yes right so there's three spots in the playoffs for four teams yeah fighting. But each team is fighting for three spots though exactly it's still fighting for the playoffs it doesn't matter okay. if it's a spot or not as long as you get in the playoffs you're in the playoffs okay because they're all going to be playing the okay. wild card weekend all right Manella. Okay, so that's so that's just like a, I think that's a perfect boiling down of Gary and D'Angelo's. Actually, a little less grouchy on D'Angelo's part. He's usually the one to speak up more. Like, what are you talking about? And that was a disgraceful <laughs> performance, in my opinion. You're for you, we Mike. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> What's that? Wait for it. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we I think we did find the equivalent then. <laughs> that's that was the Angela's reaction. So yeah, I mean this is this is the relationship, right? Like they're gonna bicker over the most meaningless of terms. The Angela is going to insist that Gary's wrong. He did acquiesce to Gary at the end here, but yeah, I mean I guess we could also debate whether or not it is a labored metaphor for if for team Gary or team D'Angelo here as to whether or not yeah. this playoff metaphor works. I love D'Angelo Williams. I have no idea the argument that he was trying to make. That I mean there are three spots <laughs> and there are four teams. I think that Gary had it. I don't know what in the world D'Angelo was trying to argue. Well, I think what D'Angelo was arguing was that like next leg is the championship. So it's like they're, they're already, already in they the were play- already in the playoffs. Yeah, they're already in the playoffs and like they're only one step away. Like they're in the semifinals. But Gary makes the point that like, no, it's more so that they're sort of actually at the point the NFL is at right now, which is like teams are in the hunt mm-hmm. competing to be in a spot in the playoffs. So it's less so about like going for the gold and more so about yeah. the place they're in right now. Look. Let me explain. For Gary D'Angelo, Steve Kornacki will explain all no. of the scenarios. Just tune into Sunday Night Football, okay? You don't need to figure this all out. Uh, I can imagine. Is that interactive map the one that you use to like navigate your hands like you do with the ones and zeros in India? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the next level uh, Kornacki. They, they have that in India. That's coming soon. I think the perfect metaphor for Gary and D'Angelo's relationship is the fact that we listened to 40 seconds of that and it was hard to listen to 40 entire seconds of it. But this clip goes on for another two minutes after that. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they're on the same page after that when they're just sort of like talking about other stuff. But yeah, I can imagine this was just a slice of life. I mean, listen, uh, if you want to check out more of this, make sure to check out the Cinnamon and Sugar podcast right here. They do improv on the reg where I'm assuming this type of banter is included. <laughs> They are comedy gold. Genuinely, yeah. they are comedy gold. Okay. All right. So, All right. So what we else got, we got, got, Mike? We got one more here. And let's, let's go back to the beard bros for a second. Because, again, 
we're, we're leaving some more interesting stuff on the cutting room floor with these two. And Shannon mentioned it earlier that Riley, Riley and Madison, uh, you know, they Riley very quickly like runs over uh, to give the answers before the two of them run off to the pit stop. They proceed to get lost on the way to the pit stop. And Rob, if you want to start this at about 34 seconds, uh, they get testy. Surprisingly so. As hot as sand on a beach. Uh, the Volley Bros surprisingly dig into one another as they're racing towards the pit stop here. Was that dig into each other? Is that a volleyball pun, Mike? Uh, I did not intentionally mean it to be because oh. I don't think there's digging involved. Okay. Sports superfan Mike Bloom. Exactly. <laughs> Constantly talking about sports. <laughs> All right. Big statue. Oh, this is brutal. Why did we tell them so fast? Hey, Sprint it over there. I know. Just hold on. Don't yell at me. Well, you sprinted out of there before we could even formulate where the f- we were going. City Sprint. Now we're lost. You want to get in a, in a taxi? Yeah, if we can. Taxi! 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 Damn it! Just hold the chill out. Chill out. Sorry, just don't talk to me for a second. Just don't get so pissed off at me, man. Because you f- ruined it for We had the f- golden just, ticket. All we need to do is advance. Calm down. Yeah, this is uh, not unlike uh, Charlie and uh, Uncle Joe. Yeah, after uh, Charlie, I don't know. It, 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 Charlie had, it, I told you, no fizzy lifting drinks. Why yeah, exactly. did you? Why did we you have the golden ticket? <laughs> you Charlie, come on. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> no. <laughs> you blew it for me. And actually, very much like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they still end up finishing in first place here. So it's almost like the fill of Willy Wonka. Philly Wonka was like, you won. Yeah. You passed like, the test. Yeah, Willy Wonka would be a great Matt greeter to be there with Phil. Do you think, uh, or maybe instead of racing in heels, you have to race with a cane, but every third step you have to do a roll and land, and land like you're actually not injured? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be good. Willy Wonka would create good leg design as well. Yeah. Um, by the way, that I, I think we have just like way too much Star Wars going on at my house because my kids are just watching Star Wars stuff uh, nonstop. But every time I see Madison in my notes, I read it as Mandalorian. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the way, Riley. This is the way we're supposed mm-hmm. to go. Both have great facial hair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if his regime is as good as uh, as old Din Djarin, but I don't know. Maybe maybe they could compare notes. Mm hmm. Well, this actually, it annoyed me that Phil was like, and Riley and Madison gave you guys the answer. Like, no, they told them that it was race order. Like, they were the, they, they were the key things. If Riley and Madison hadn't happened to get it first, the other teams would have eventually got it. Whereas if the other teams hadn't worked out the race order Riley, or hadn't told them, Riley and Madison would still be there, not understanding what they got wrong. Mm-hmm. So I actually thought, like, it was rude for them to get first place. What if they got a prize out of that? Um, they should have yeah. waited there for the other I team. Mean, they a, fully uh, took that answer. Here's my question. If it was a monetary amount, are they going to share it with the Alliance? Are you allowed I to? So. I mean, if they got like 75... This is one of my mind questions. They, they could have been like, all right, like we all did this together. So we all get a little bit of the money. You can't share money, surely. Like you can't do that on survival. Yeah, but you could probably, um, you get one trip when usually when you win a leg. So there's nothing stopping you. You can, if one of you goes, you can take whoever you want as your guest. So I love this. Let's think of the best combination. I'm thinking like Chi 
like she's the best with anyone she's my favorite person oh, yeah. on the race but like who are we oh, gonna yeah. just like randomly assign to go on this trip together like surely they'd want to go with each other uh, no i, I, think I want what, i want i want she and michelle to go on the trip together <laughs> mm-hmm. Re- let's reignite that feud from leg one when he beat her at the steel drums <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. i'd watch that reality show she and Michelle. She, she, and Michelle go, she and Michelle go to Willy Wonka's chocolate mm. factory. There yeah. we go. The Travel Channel really could get on this. Okay. Jess, uh, do you want to take us through some of the week in Amazing Race social media? Yeah, I absolutely will. Um, we didn't, it was kind of a weak week for social media, but there were some, there were a few fun things. Um, I'm going to start. The death threats, yeah. Yeah, I, I think maybe nobody felt like being funny on the internet because people were either yelling at them for having a bad attitude or yelling at them for having a bad alliance. Wait, mm-hmm. Chin, did you say Mr. Death Threats or Miss the Death Threats? I said Miss the Death Threats. Oh, okay. I thought, were, from- I thought you were personifying someone named Mr. Death Threats, which like represents just the, the trollification of the fan base. Yeah, I don't think you could just put it down to one person. Yeah. I think that, yeah, the ratio of just pure hate to fun this week was probably not great. But yeah. Mr. Death Threats, uh, one of the worst Twitter burner accounts out there. <laughs> Some of this was, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's my brand. It's what I do. All right. So social media. Um, first of all, we have we have this fun exchange. We have James Wallington at James Wallington says he's probably going to be mad that I'm out here exposing his soft side. But at D'Angelo RB, thank you for calling me, putting at me at ease with the haters and being a damn good guy. Appreciate you, my friend. Nothing but love. And D'Angelo writes back. I can't be mad at you long. Damn it. Send at William Jardell. I can be mad at him forever and a day. <laughs> D'Angelo picking favorites from each team. I like this. If D'Angelo could like uh, separate the teams into one he likes and one he doesn't like. Real uh, King Solomon of the Amazing Race. Okay, <laughs> we've always said that there are many Amazing Race teams where one of them is the dynamic character and the other one is the other team member. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're just maybe we're just doing that within the race. It's like intra race now. Yes. So you're saying that you only can do that just if you are the entertaining member of a team. I think. Yeah, I think you're allowed to, to decide. No yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a game recognized game, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then we have um, we have some fun. We have a fun tweet from at Haley Williams, 88, who um, posts a picture of herself in the clown outfit from Columbia oh with a big grin on her face. And she says, my face watching the mind five turn on each other. Clown emoji. Uh, the clown <laughs> emoji. Let me look at yeah, this but picture. But it's actually, it's a perfect, uh, it's a perfect implementation of like that meme, right? Of like the person pitting on clown makeup, like, you know, uh, me thinking that this, these three teams wouldn't be the ones in the final three. Like now we can sort of utilize this from an amazing race perspective from now on. Mm-hmm. I didn't I do, realize I, that was a meme. And I do believe we did. Uh, I forgot if we snuffed or buffed this outfit from when we were, when we were on with Leon. I can't remember. Hmm. I think we, we buffed the tiny hat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, okay. it was a good place to hide the GoPro. Yeah, I, I think that was that was kind of the it's a utilitarian thing. <laughs> we like that. that it good. looks like the hat that Homer Simpson wears when he has to put his camera in it. Yeah, just, <laughs> just nobody should have tipped off Haley that there was a bee in it, so she would stomp on it and break the GoPro and get fined. <laughs> bee. <laughs> so uh, I have I have two tweets here from Iswar, who uh, says 
I think you can tell D'Angelo and Gary are very competitive. Reflect, reflecting immediately after an emotional end of your race like theirs is tough, and the race will usually have the most interesting edit rather than one that's more accurate. And then he also posts a great photo from um, Elimination Station, which the, is the amazing race equivalent of Ponderosa. And I don't know, Mike, do you want to describe what's happening in this photo? Well, uh, Iswar appears to be lifting up D'Angelo. Seems to have a nice, like, g- grab by the groin. Uh, <laughs> or I guess I should say arms wrapped around, not literally grabbing him by the groin. It has him lifted up. D'Angelo has his arms stretched out wide. Uh, Tembo, uh, his arms open wide. <laughs> and uh, it's essentially ex- like a face of, what? And I believe, is that Victoria? No, it's Michelle. 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 Michelle in the background. Way, yeah, Michelle in the background in this picture should be her own meme. Just, you know, shocked <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like the shocked Pikachu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just that. I'm trying to zoom in on it and it's uh, tough to do. But yeah, uh, if we can isolate shocked Michelle as a, as a gift. Actually, Leo meme. has beaten you to this. Oh, he already did? Yeah, I'm going to drop this link into the chat for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a nice, also nicely up, prominently on play. And not only D'Angelo's very nice calves and tattoos, but also like what looks like cutoffs, I think he's wearing at the elimination station, which I would say I'm giving him a buff. He's pulling I those off. He actually off. just rage ripped his jeans uh, after the race. <laughs> they were I can see the Eiffel Tower! Yes. Yeah, it's very, very uh, Hulk style, right? Like he never lost his pants, just part of them. Mm-hmm. Do they get to travel at Illumination Station? Imagine if he'd gone really early. Like, I feel like he would have definitely flown home. <laughs> yeah. yeah the the, the good news to your point, like we talked about, I think a couple of weeks ago, is that like now he gets to go directly to New Orleans. Like, I think they were probably there for like a half a second and then they probably flew home with the rest of the teams to New Orleans for the final leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then uh, we have another one, and then this is okay. Leo, mm-hmm. says, those who want to, uh, yes, uh, Michelle, Michelle uh, Newland uh, is like this in real life. Yes, very shocked. That is an amazing meme. Yeah, that's that should great. definitely become a meme. That's great. Yeah, the tough, thing like- is that, the tough thing is that this is not even from Amazing Race proper. This is a behind-the-scenes photo from Amazing Race, but hopefully we can still popularize it. <laughs> I don't think it matters. Like, I, th- I, don't, I think most people don't know where the memes come from. And like that's why I always thought that De- Devon was Gift Girl, and I didn't know anything about her. Yes. We'll go on knowyourmeme.com one day and say, like, uh, the right. uh, shock face uh, wine girl uh, is actually exactly. an amazing race contestant. Yeah. So you could label in this photo, you could label, you could label Ishwar as, um, as Will and James and Chi and Hung. You could label D'Angelo as um, the Beard Bros. And you could label Michelle as Gary and D'Angelo. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. This is it. This, I love that's that. That's it, Jess. Yeah. Uh, this is, okay, let's meme, meme this. This is our meme challenge. <laughs> I love it. This is, this is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I think The Amazing Race has been rife with these fantastic meme examples. So I'm, I'm so happy with it. Let's, let's bring The Amazing Race into meme culture. It's already happened to Shannon's plane with the other CBS major reality shows. I think it's the race's turn. Yeah. I think that you would, yeah. So you'd make like Iswa amazing race format you would make d'angelo alliances and then you'd make michelle the audience hmm. or <laughs> you could, or yeah. you could do iswar is leo and alana yeah d'angelo is kaylin and Haley, and michelle is D- jerry and frank to use an oldie but a good <laughs> how about this what if uh Ishwar is taylor swift uh d'angelo williams is another new album and michelle <laughs> is me 
Oh, yes. like that. that's amazing oh, I, uh, you should post that Rob you yeah. should actually post that or just, or just use the classic of uh, Iswar is like my plans D'Angelo is COVID-19 and Michelle is me <laughs> yes why is COVID but, so but, happy but idea, you should be like a, that's like a pleasant surprise mm. I don't know yeah. maybe Michelle is pleasantly surprised about the uh, she looks horrified mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, Mike, you struck gold with the shoe one on that. I think that uh, <laughs> don't don't hit on. Uh, I just feel like I feel like that's like the thing you have to like when you test drive a meme. You have to put me, my plans, and COVID nineteen or something in there mm-hmm. and see if it works. If it doesn't, then that sort of fails the the smell test. Uh, but I think we've been able to find other uses for it. Okay, all right, uh, Jess. Anything else from social media? Um. Well, I want to I want to take us to one more very memeable picture i think um we have james also tweeted uh a pair of photos um and he says is now an appropriate time to share these photos hashtag amazing race tell me if i'm wrong how he felt in manila versus how he feels two years later and they are two pictures taken seconds apart and one of them d'angelo is flipping off the camera and one of them he is making a peace sign I mean, the best thing is that you could honestly switch the photos and they'd probably still be the exact same thing. You know, mm-hmm. like it could be, you could also be pissed off two years later too and be happy about it at the time. It yeah. contains multitudes, Mike. <laughs> and multiple fingers. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, Jess, uh, anything else from the racers on social media? Nothing else from the racers on social media, but I believe you had something else you wanted to bring up, Rob. Yeah, I thought that this was interesting today. I was on uh, the, the tw- Twitter, just you know, uh, the uh, what is it, doom scrolling they call it. I don't know if is that is that. Yeah, call, yeah. yeah. is that when your timeline's filled with Mister Death threats? That's doom scrolling. Yes, uh, <laughs> but this is also called uh, every day of my life, especially on uh, Sundays where I'm just uh, refreshing Twitter uh, incessantly. And so here is uh, the CBS social media accounts for the big three CBS reality series, with all due respect to uh, Love Island and Tough as Nails, that they have been all tweeting out about how that there is some sort of a new contest. Uh, Mike, maybe you have some insight into this, but this is from the Survivor account, which says Survivor's ready. Is that a wink face? I'm not sure. I, we, I don't know. It feels like a fart. I just farted emoji. Mm. It is no, I've just farted emoji, Mike. <laughs> and you're not looking hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> We've partnered with our at CBS reality tribe to bring you three days of giveaways and multi-show fun. Make sure you stay tuned because we've got a big prize for you on the third day. That's very folksy. Yeah. Of, uh, is that sort of like a play on Jeff saying, I got nothing for ya? Uh, big guys yeah scan I, does, does, this, does it scan jess i don't i don't know if it scans yeah uh, um and then they say um uh cbs big brother and amazing race cbs are you ready so uh just interestingly uh in the picture could we uh th- this is who made the cut uh, for the picture this is <laughs> yes the year of cbs reality it's- okay so it seems like they looped pictures uh yeah. there, there are two tonys in here i see mm-hmm. no, yeah. that's fair yeah from left to right the highlights of the year it's uh yule <laughs> boston rob davon gary and d'angelo cody calafiore sandra 
Janelle, another Cody Calafiore, Tony. Uh, <laughs> look who it is. Look who made the cut. Uh, Mr. Tuesday Night himself. <laughs> yes. yes. It's uh, Frank and his son. Whose name escapes me at the moment. Jerry, Jerry, is, Frank. Jerry. Jerry is the dad, Frank is the son. It's like it's your Frank, Rob, that you remember his name. <laughs> yeah. But the Frank is out. Son, Rob. But I one of that. two amazing race teams to make the cut. Uh, and then there's Sandra, and then there's Tony, the Zingbot, and a bigger Davon. <laughs> and a bigger Davon. Yeah, don't so question their logic, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check that out. Um, you know right? what? Yes. So what you're trying to say is that CBS, Eastwise CBS reality shows, D'Angelo is three days of giveaways, and Michelle is me. <laughs> oh, look. <you> know, <laughs> here's the amazing race uh, tweet uh, on this front. Uh, so I guess they tried to sort of like uh, make it a little bit. Oh, the show. God. Oh, God. I want to see what they did. For the amazing race says you've got a first class <laughs> pass to three days of giveaways and at CBS reality show fun. And now uh, that is uh, more of like the laughing emoji, Mike. Right. That's not fart yeah. emoji. Well, that, I mean, that's if you got a big jolly out of your fart. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Mike defines the emojis all specifically Listen to this. by fart. Plus, we've got a mega prize. Oh, no. Yes. Has the word mega sort of entered the amazing race vernacular now? Apparently, it's okay to say mega again because for, you know, for a while, if you change one value, one vowel, it's not it's not a good thing to say. So, oh my god, wait, could this mean that the actual prize on the third day is a performance from Mega Garden? Mega Garden, yes. Oh. Plus we've got a mega prize on the third day. Are you? Is today the first day? By the way, I don't Must know. Today's the first day. Okay. All right. We'll have to. Well, let me. We'll, we'll, as we're talking, we'll check to see. Are if there's you a actually, fan of Survivor CBS or CBS Big Brother? Let us know. So let's see. What did the Big Brother Twitter? I want to guess say? before we get there from the okay. limited amount I know about Big Brother. Okay, Shannon, can you guess? From what I so in the last season, one hour of watching felt like three days. We have three days of prizes. Mm-hmm. All I know is that people hated the season, so I don't okay. have anything else. But can we back up for a second? Because I think I'm surprised that Mike didn't point out the fact that the Amazing Race also uses the emoji of the finger pointing down. Mm. And I'm surprised that Mike didn't just go there with the finger that's clearly inviting you to pull it. <laughs> ah, that's very true. Listen, you've ruined emojis. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the ama- the Big Brother Twitter account says we form the ultimate CBS reality alliance to bring you three days of giveaways and multi show fun. Make sure to stay tuned, Big Brother fans. We've got a special prize on the third day. Are you ready, Survivor CBS and Amazing Race? We are. And that's sort wink of like emoji a as wink in, emoji. Hey, I just farted, and you know it. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so to answer your question, it seems like the, the account followed up with essentially saying each day we will have a giveaway where one winner will be selected to win one bundle of three prizes. You can enter each giveaway one time only. So it looks like this is going to be starting on Monday. It would make sense. It's a weekday. But hopefully that means that by the time people are listening to the tar pits, they'll have intel as to this, this day of three giveaways that possibly ends with a performance of, I'm assuming Mega Garden plays the Survivor theme song, uh, plays the Winners at War song performs a medley of Big Brother tunes and then finishes up with its hit four song set of Amazing Race songs. Okay. So I can also see that um, on the Big Brother tweet, Survivor and Amazing Race are responding with like gifts of their own show. I'm pretty sure this, I mean, it seems like it would be all the same social media manager. So this reminds me of like when I respond to my cat from my own account, (laughs) my cat Instagram account. Yeah. (laughs) 
They're just responding. I hate when the brands try to act like they're people and like, yes, amazing race. Wait, yes, wait, survivor. wait, Shannon. You say that, but we have an entire segment on our Survivor South Africa account about brands being shady and trying to brands. But the show, but but they're doing it well though. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like these they're doing it well. Yeah. They maybe need to, you know, hire the bias strap manager to be a little cooler because this was poorly done. And why couldn't Tough as Nails uh, get in on this, Jess? I feel like Tough as Nails already has the ready-made meme for it too. Because it <laughs> yeah, what would they like, say? What would the Tough as Nails Twitter account say? It'd be like the the CBS reality giveaway is Tough as Nails because they give away a big prize on the third day. Like, are you ready? Yeah, T- time to go to work. Like. uh small grin face. <laughs> is there a hard hat emoji? Yeah. The toughest nails Twitter account. It's like, look, maybe we didn't get a, f- a four year degree. We went to a trade school. And we're not <laughs> as important mean to some people as the big three. But now here we are. And if you are a hardworking person, you love your family and just want to see them do good and do an honest days of work and not get your uh get your hands dirty but get clean money maybe you could win a prize it's the holiday season <laughs> be right back i'm going to respond to all of these contest announcements with tough as nails gifts <laughs> well i guess tough as nails was like the gary and d'angelo and that they thought they were in the alliance but they were just cut out fourth mm-hmm. so i guess you could say that Iswa is the other TBS reality <laughs> shows. D'Angelo is an alliance, and Michelle is tough as nails. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michelle is also tough as nails too. Yeah, and her nails, her nails are also pretty tough. Yes. Okay. All right. Then, um, just do we have a, a one more surprise here today on the tar pit? We do have one more surprise. I did a giveaway for you. <laughs> With yes. Jess. It's a giveaway. I got three days of contests here. <laughs> yes. Uh, we should all tweet out the same thing to like basically like in our own words to each other. Like, uh, like, hey, we the tar pit has a big giveaway and it's coming to you live. Uh, hope you're ready at Haymaker Hattie and the Mike Bloom type. I certainly yeah. am. But Rob, don't we don't we effectively do that every week anyway when it drops? We all tweet it out with slightly different. <laughs> verbiage about what we thought was the best takeaway from the from the episode mm. this also makes me genuinely question like what a mike bloom tone is <laughs> you know it really makes me think of like how do i tweet you know do i have, I don't have to mind. Mind. yeah what's like, your if brand I to, voice <laughs> if i were to do this it would be like do you hate edge of extinction but love contests mm-hmm. that would be mine that's my <laughs> that's my brand <laughs> that's my tone <laughs> I mean, I think I could probably tweet as Josh Wiggler pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. It's the best contest ever. Don't at me. Pizza. Oh, emoji. yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Should we have a takeover of our social media? <laughs> Get ready for a takeover. <laughs> Mine would be I could do a takeover of Chappelle's and just tweet like one letter of the giveaway and send it about 500 tweets in a row and then quote <laughs> tweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, Jess, All right. so what, do, what do you have in store for us? All right. So I have a little game um, inspired by the knowledge that we gleaned from Phil this past week that um, Manila is both the texting capital of the world and the shoe capital of the Philippines. I have devised a game for you three called Capitals of the World. Yes. By the way, Jess, I'm uh, actually very excited that you did this, that if there was going to be a meme of this right now, uh, you are Iswar, the game is D'Angelo, and I am Michelle. (laughs) Well, good, good. 
I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Um, so here we go. The way that this game is going to work is you guys can play cooperatively if you want, or you can play against each other. It's really, it's up to you. It's mainly up to our guest, Shannon, what she feels like doing. Well, but, any of, I, well, I mean, you said texting. As long as it's nothing to do with emojis, I don't want to be on Mike's team. No, nothing okay. to do with emojis and nothing to do with farts. <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know what Mike's going to make farts the fart, out of. The fart capital of the world. <laughs> the fart capital of the world is Mike Bloom's apartment. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Coming to you live from the fart capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Why do you accept that, Mike? Like, how have you made this your brand? You can't reject it now. It's the Streisand effect. Any Publicity is good publicity. <laughs> you can call me fart chancellor if you want to. Now I will. I'm definitely going to call you that. <laughs> so. <laughs> Why is it the fart chancellor? Well, I, I have to work my way up. Okay. <laughs> I think we broke chess. I feel like we should workshop fart chancellor. <laughs> this is not better than this. Like, mm. I built a game for you people. Show. Yeah, like, Jeff doesn't think it's going here. This isn't okay. fair. All right. Here's how this game works. So, I'm going to give you a city name or several city names and then i'm going to give you four choices as to what capital of the world they can lay claim to Ooh. and then you can just tell me okay which one of these things is the real deal and which ones are fake okay so so this is something that the city itself has like claimed it's the actual capital of yes it is claimed is the actual capital of it yes um, okay so just i want to make sure so you're you're giving us uh Four cities, and then you. No, I'm giving okay. you one city okay, and four options. Yes, yes okay. four options okay. of things oh, okay. it could got be it. the capital got of. It, it. You tell me which thing it is the capital of. Got it. So, do you want to play? Co-op- yeah. Do you want to play cooperatively, or do you want to play against each other? Yeah, let's let it be guest choice. What do you want, Shannon? I know you're very competitive. Let's play against each other. Like, yeah. well, yeah. What am I? I, I think that's what Shannon was going to say. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I'm competitive in things I think I could be good at, and I don't think I could be good at this. But we might as well. Yeah, but it is um, fun to get everybody's yeah. logic of why they're picking what they're picking. Yeah, I'll do that. That's Mike's will be something we haven't yet conceptualized, but I'm sure it will be completely <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Probably, that's my brand. <laughs> that's your brand. We found it. We, we found, found it. my brand. Disgustingness. All right. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, Iswar is um, Mike Bloom. D'Angelo is fart jokes. Michelle is me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so perfect. It's perfect. Okay. So I have already randomized your names in a name randomizer before this game started. And so, Rob, you're going to be going first, okay. followed by Mike and then Shannon. So, question number one, Rob, I have Milan, Italy. Is Milan the pizza capital of the world, the fashion capital of the world, the moped capital of the world, or the fancy cookie capital of the world? Okay. So, only I'm answering this question. Not everybody right. is giving an answer for this question? Right. Just you. Ah, oh, boy. Um, my first impulse is to say the fashion capital of the world, uh, but I wonder if that's too on the nose. So I, I'm, I'm going to go with the moped capital of the world. You're gone with your gut, Rob. Uh, uh, it is the fashion capital of the world. Uh, okay. I'm uh, D'Angelo giving the middle finger to uh, <laughs> Will. All right. So Fart Chancellor, you're up. All right. All right. So, so he's giving the middle finger to James. I apologize. 
for for your question, there are three cities in the world that are trying to lay claim to this same title. Oh. So we have Seattle, Vienna, and Shannon's own hometown of Melbourne. Oh, interesting. And I know what the capital of is it lockdown? <laughs> well, I think I know which one would win. Mm-hmm. That was the case. So here's here's my question for you, Mike. Are they trying to all be the coffee capital of the world, the umbrella capital of the world, the sausage capital of the world, or the flannel shirt capital of the world? Okay. So I'm trying to think of what all three have in common. Uh, haven't haven't gotten my mouth around a Seattle sausage anytime, so I don't know if that's Wait, where's the red card? <laughs> um all right. Uh I feel like umbrella, I don't feel like Melbourne is I mean, listen, I know there's a hole in the ozone layer uh right above them, so I think they might need an umbrella, but I don't think they're manufacturing it for it. I'm I'm gonna go with coffee here. I feel like Vienna is known for its coffee. Seattle, obviously, that's where the bucks came from. And I feel like Melbourne can sort of tout its Java in comparison to the rest of Australian cities. Well, you are absolutely right, Mike. They are all trying to lay claim to the title of coffee capital of the world. Shannon, how, what do you think? Can you make a pitch for Melbourne? I don't drink coffee. Oh. <laughs> so, but I hear that the coffee is very good in Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, I knew that that would... Can I get a question that's about my hometown as well? Like, I wanted that one. <laughs> well, no, I actually... And I realized that the way that this shook out now, Shannon, it may require some explaining um, because there, there are some North American things in here that we may need to explain to you. Okay. But, All right. So your question is Winnipeg, Manitoba. Does Winnipeg want to lay claim? <laughs> no. <laughs> Are they trying to be the blizzard capital of the world, the frappuccino capital of the world, the five hole capital of the world, or the slurpy capital of the world? We can define any of these terms for you if you need it. I know what they all are. I only know what five hole is because of the amazing race. I'm sure I asked Mike once upon a time what, what five hole yeah. meant. Um, slurpy blizzard is a word I know have never experienced one. And what was the second one? Frappuccino. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no idea. I would have known the other two. <laughs> I'm going to say Blizzard. Oh, that is incorrect. It is the Slurpee capital of the world. Oh, interesting. Uh, cool. All right. So back to you, Rob. Yes. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Is that the reptile capital of the world? The body surfing capital of the world? <laughs> the golf capital of the world? Or the blue crab capital of the world? Boy, I'm torn between the um, reptiles and the golf uh, capital of the world. I know that uh, it is a very popular uh, golf destination, mm. but uh, I do remember, like, uh, like uh, you know, people who like drive to Florida, uh, like uh, stopping. That's south of the border. Is that what it's what it's called? Uh, so, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I am gonna say again. This is gonna be like Milan with the fashion, where I'm overthinking it. But I'm gonna say the reptiles instead of the golf. Yeah, Rob, you gotta go with your gut on this <laughs> one. Yeah. It is the golf capital of the world. Uh, over par. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You really hit the sand trap on that one. Yiddish for me, Jess. That's really my strong suit. <laughs> Clearly. Mm. <laughs> 
If I design the games, then I'm not designing them for you to be good at them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, Bloom, here you go. Hartford, Connecticut. Is it the accounting capital of the world? The paperclip capital of the world? The insurance capital of the world? Or the stapler capital of the world? Well, I do not want to go to Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you. Hartford, Connecticut is a lovely capital of the state of Connecticut in which I was born and raised, which is going to make this question even oh, wow. harder when I when I screw it up. I know that there are. Wait, did you mean you were born? You were born in Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You found my true birthplace. Yes. In a very foul smelling hospital room in Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, all right. So, so the thing is, Hartford actually has like a very large insurance business to it. My like God. Actually, actually, a lot of insurance. I'd rather go to Hartford. That are based in. Hartford. Well, there's just it's there's insurance there. It's just fart insurance and specifically oriented. Um, so I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's anything else from like my knowledge of Hartford that would deal with staplers, paper clips, or what was accounting? Mm-hmm. I don't even know how you become the accounting capital of the world. Well, how do you I'm, become the insurance capital of the world, Mike? If, if most of your if most of the major companies have are like housed in Hartford, I guess then it could become that. So I'm I'm gonna go with the lone piece of information I know and hope I slumdog millionaire this. I'm gonna say the insurance capital of the world. Well, Mike, you did it again. You're correct. And you're shutting everybody out. Mm-hmm. Actually, wow. I did a once upon a time I did a children's theater performance of Pink Delicious at the Etna Center. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Etna like the yes. insurance company, so it's burned in my memory. And I did know that answer from my previous life, uh working in insurance. Oh, that's right, Rob. I forgot that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mike, if you keep this up, then you could your brand could become being good at this game. And I think that's something that you should want rather than what it currently is. <laughs> He's just Which is being disgusting. Why, why can I be a Daenerys Targaryen and have multiple acclaims to my title? Mm-hmm. Fart Chancellor, winner of games. Yeah, or Philip and Giorgio. <laughs> okay. Shannon, this one's for you. It's Las Vegas. Oh. Okay. Is Las Vegas known as the entertainment capital of the world, the bad decisions capital of the world, mm, the rhinestone capital of the world, or the magic capital of the world? Uh, Trick Cranston is the Rachel Riley capital of the world. Mm-hmm. It's not the magic capital of the world because I've been to Disney World and that's the magic capital of the world. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with my gut and say entertainment capital of the world. That's correct. You're on the board. Yes, and taking away Mike's title, then he'll be known for being disgusting. No, I mean, listen, I think if you win, you take all my titles, including Fart Chancellor. Oh, throw it. Even the ones you don't want. I I abdicate the throne. (laughs) That no one wants to sit on after you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a whoopee cushion on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How did we get here? I don't know. I can retrace our steps, but I won't, but I could. Yeah, it's not necessary. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Rob. Yes. You get Geneva, Switzerland. Oh, boy. Is Geneva known as the chocolate capital, the folding knife capital, the melted cheese capital, or the peace capital? Hmm. So, and they have the Geneva Convention. Um, I will learn my lesson. I will go with the peace capital of the world. 
Oh, he can be taught. You're correct, Rob. <laughs> yes. Okay, Mike Bloom, you are getting a region more than a city here. Um, Aberdeenshire, Scotland. Oh. Is this known as the sheep capital of the world, the porridge capital of the world, the ballad capital of the world, or the cozy sweater capital of the world? Oh, I wish it was the, the latter. Um, so Aberdeen, Scotland. I unfortunately, though I love me some Desmond Hume, I do not necessarily know much about Scotland that typifies Aberdeen specifically. So I'm between sheep, porridge, and ballads. Ballads. That's interesting. I don't know if they could lay claim to that, considering that, like, I don't know if power ballads should take root in Aberdeen, Scotland. Is that where Mega Garden uh, is from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so from that, I'm going to go with, uh, I, I want, you know what? I'm going to go with sheep. I'm going to be a sheep and go with sheep. All right. Well, that is incorrect. They are, in fact, the ballad capital of the world. Oh. Interesting claim. The sheep capital of the world would be New Zealand. <laughs> what i hear yeah <laughs> or whales so i was close then i was in the same the same country technically <laughs> all right i could tie it up now i'm in it all now right I'm, you're in it now i'm invested yeah it's all right is within your grass shannon that's not what i would win what was the question <laughs> all right shannon you get austin texas okay is austin the outdoor theater capital of the world the live music capital of the world the ultimate frisbee capital of the world or the water park capital of the world? I don't know. I don't know at all. Ooh, I got too cocky and I don't know. I got one right answer and I was like, yes. Um, I don't think it would be live music. Can you go through them one more time? All right. We have the outdoor theater capital of the world, the live music capital of the world, the ultimate frisbee capital of the world or the water park capital of the world? Water park. Oh, I'm sorry, Shannon. That's incorrect. The correct answer is live music. Capital. What? Oh, like really? West. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. That, I'm not American. This game is I will, unfair. I will also. Say I would never play this game again, Jess. I, mean, I would never play it again. I think the, 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 the live theater capital of the world has to be like the lamest title that I don't think anybody would ever want to give. Themselves. You know, there is an actual water park capital of the world, Mike Bloom. Well, well, I'm talking, about the out- I'm talking about the outdoor theater component. Oh. That's, that's is the there an ultimate frisbee one? Because that one to me sounded fake. Um, yeah, there, there is not. I, didn't I think, think it's called every that. college campus. Mm-hmm. What about like New York for live music? I guess New York is too many capitals of the world. But yeah, no, I regret this experience. I thought that I was going to be able to actually see these cities when I signed up to talk about them. I didn't realize that I would, wouldn't get to actually experience them. So just massive regret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Don't perform your swan song yet. You have to go to Aberdeen to, to do your ballad. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you again in two years how you feel about this. It might be different. Yeah. How many fingers will you use to show how you feel about it after the fact? Look, I will say that Iswa is Mike. D'Angelo is skill at that game. Mm-hmm. And Michelle is me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Rob, it's your turn. Okay. You get Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. Is this the horse capital of the world, the bourbon capital of the world, the baseball bat capital of the world, or the fried chicken capital of the world? Boy, I am torn between uh, the first two, which is uh, what was the horse racing? No, it's just horse. Horse capital of the world. Horse capital of the world. Uh, And bourbon capital of the world. Okay. I think... Think uh, some torment between those two. I'm going to say bourbon. 
Oh, again, go with your gut, Rob. The horse. It's it was horse. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but they like, have a horse did race they, oh, there. Horses come from there. No, they took a derby, right? Uh, so it's not necessarily yeah, that the horses derby. come from there. It's just that we hold the most important well, horse event. Horses don't originate there biologically, Mike, but they do breed a lot of horses. Yes, yeah, so the Garden of Eden for horses is not located in Lexington, Kentucky. No, not the same way that the first apple tree grew in Kazakhstan. Yeah, exactly. And the horse ate that apple. Right. And the rest was horse story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back on the horse here, Mike. Yes. Um, this is um, this is your question. You get Mazatlan, Mexico. Ooh. Okay. Is it the shark attack capital of the world? Oh, no. The manta ray capital of the world? The shrimp capital of the world or the shellfish capital of the world? Well, I've watched enough Forrest Gump to know that the shrimp capital of the world is probably located somewhere in the bayou. Uh, I'm going to go with, I feel like when it comes to, actually, I don't know. I feel like when it comes to shark attacks, I do feel like I hear a lot about there being like attacks south of the border. I don't know if that's something you want to like put on a sign but that being said that makes it all the more real so i'm gonna say shark attack capital of the world oh you're incorrect mike it is the shrimp capital of the world wasn't a true story bubba screwed me over hmm. but also what is the like this challenge that follows on it feels like this is the shark attack capital of the world teams will now get Bitten by a shark? Like, what would that challenge no, you, be? You do like a lifeguard duty, right? Like, you know, be a pretend paramedic and treat as someone who has been bitten by a shark. If you do it correctly, they'll hand you your next clue. In heels, for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they could be little fake sharks in the water. I, I'm just glad they didn't like ro- roll that challenge out in season 25. That would have been really awkward. Yeah, very, very, very awkward. Poor <laughs> <laughs> soul surfer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's rough. All right, Shannon, this one's for you. Uh, we're going back to Canada. We have the town of Churchill, Manitoba. Is Churchill, I know well. Yes, um, as we all do. Mm-hmm. Is Churchill, Manitoba known as the igloo capital of the world, the polar bear capital of the world, the narwhal capital of the world, or the snowshoe capital of the world? Why any of these capitals of the world? I feel like they're really reaching. What I, no, what I think what we're realizing in that is that this is sort of like National Blank Day. Like you can just any sort of object or concept that exists, you could come up with a national day off of it. Similarly, you could be like, well, this is the capital of, of that. Yeah. This is how Mike's apartment became known as the fart capital. Yeah. Exactly. You just said it was a very comprehensive process. Lots of paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go polar bear. Um, you are correct. Huh. Okay. Now I'm confident again. Now I would play. All right. I'm glad, I'm glad you got that back. Got it back. Now I'm back on the horse. Yes. All right. So this one actually did have some paperwork involved, Rob. So this is a UNESCO designation. And for the year 2020, UNESCO designated Rio de Janeiro, a world capital of something. Okay. Did they say it is a world capital of architecture? A world capital of beaches, a world capital of cuisine, or a world capital of music. Hmm. So generic. Yeah. Can I hear the choices one more time? Yep. We got architecture, beaches, cuisine, and music. Hmm. I'll say beaches. Oh, you're incorrect, Rob. It was architecture. Uh, what? Uh... Real has some cool architecture. 
Their cathedral is really. I, don't know. I feel like the way that we took we took in Rio de Janeiro back in 2016 was a very D'Angelo Williams method of we could only see a specific like set of stadiums instead of actually Rio de Janeiro proper. Yeah, it's true, and they've never gone to that cathedral, which is again super awesome. They have, mm. you know, architecture nerds like Rio a lot. Hmm. Okay, and Mike Bloom, um, this this shook out really well for you because. Um, you are getting the state in which you currently reside, oh, the state oh, no. of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Is New Jersey the capital of? Is is New Jersey the laundry capital of the world, the shopping mall capital of the world, the diner capital of the world, or the not pumping your own gas capital mm-hmm. of the world? It is the diner capital of the world, I do believe, because I think that diners are a plenty here in New Jersey. Yeah, there's a lot of shopping malls too. And there's a lot of not pumping your own gas. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So finally, Shannon, the That's last correct. question goes yes. to you. Yeah, and I think I, and I think I heard that. I've, I even going to college in Pennsylvania from again the uh, right near the insurance capital of the world. I often pass through New Jersey, and there was an inordinate amount of diners. So it's something that I've, I've always diner. remembered. Yeah. If I don't get one of the other three cities in which I've lived, Sydney, Joburg, or Cape Town right now, when Mike got two places he's lived, I'm going to be mad. So know that I will be a sore loser. All right. Well, this one, this one's a little different, Shannon. Um, This is actually, um, we're going to reference an Ernest Hemingway short story called The Capital (laughs) of the World. Okay. And per this short story. That's not where I lived. (laughs) No, I don't think you lived in any of these, but you've been to a couple of them, I think. But so per Ernest Hemingway in this short story, the capital of the world is which of these four cities? Is it London, Rome, Paris or Madrid? Oh, whichever one has the most alcohol. (laughs) London. Oh, you're incorrect. It was Madrid. Mm -hmm. No, That's the last one I would have gone with. So I can't regret it. You got to think about what you know about Hemingway. It's like alcohol and cats with a lot of toes and bullfighting. I don't know any of those things. Okay. Well, Hemingway's kind of a misogynist. You don't really need to get out of the Western canon anytime if you ask me. But well, we're done. Already done for me. Yeah. Wrote it. A step ahead. Yeah. Done. Take it off the list. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing he ever did was write a story with a convenient title for me to build a game around. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. That's his legacy. What about uh Mariel Hemingway? Uh, she's all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. she was in some Woody Allen films, and he got canceled. Mm-hmm. So, okay, all right. Uh, is that it? Was that the last the last question? That was the last one. Okay, Mike well Bloom done. is clearly the winner because I accidentally set this up so that he got all two places hail to the far chancellor. <laughs> Long Thank may you. he reign. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, while we're on capitals of the world, can I do my tiny rant? Because I know that we got a request for this, and I feel like I I'm someone who is a expert in high heels. I feel, um, and those were like he called them stylish stilettos. Those were like barely heels. I feel very yeah. Because I'm I'm someone because I I was telling Mike this the other day, and it's not something the podcast listeners would know, but I naturally only walk on my tiptoes. When I'm in mm-hmm. flat shoes, yeah, um, I don't walk flat-footed. Never have. So for me, high heels are a much more natural way to walk. That's why I pretty much only wear heels. Um, and these look like very comfortable shoes to run in. I would have preferred to run in these than even sneakers. So I don't think this was a challenging task at all. This would have been your five hole. 
there really would have been this. I mean, I don't run like I choose not to run all the time. So that part would have been bad. But if it was like walk in heels, I genuinely I mean, I was on a show where I had to walk in heels and I, there were people better at it than me. Mm-hmm. But like so maybe this, I don't have a five hole. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up because this is truly bananas like this. <laughs> you walk on your tiptoes 24 7 like you're yes. a dog begging for treats that is an incredible feat of physicality in my opinion your calves must be as immaculate as gary barnage's <laughs> thank you for saying that um well i feel like if i wear like flat shoes it might weight my feet down and, or i wear heels but like if i'm walking barefoot i will be i will be on my toes yeah that's <laughs> just so ridiculous <laughs> that's such a ridiculous image to me i love it yeah. that's what i do yeah um, so this would have been a good challenge for me. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen you uh, not sitting in a chair. So well, I don't know that, if I have any frame of reference for this. That's what I was thinking was weird. Is like, I've only met like even Mike a couple of times. I've met you once, Jess, but like everyone who knows me physically knows that as like a very prominent physical trait of mine. But like all the podcast listeners who just hear me or see my face mm-hmm. wouldn't know that. And I just got to like erase that from my, who I am as a person. And I, probably should have kept it that way because it's really weird and it's i it, i walk very weirdly but shannon that's why you're so good at podcasting you're always on your toes <laughs> oh very nice I'm always on, I was my, gonna I'm say, on my toes right now i was gonna say i maybe maybe shannon isn't actually taller than i am if she was on her toes i probably was walking on my toes how tall are you i'm 510 i'm not taller than that you were on your toes. Yeah, I was walking on my toes. I'm like much short. I'm like only five, eight and a half. I must have been walking on my toes when I met you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm so tall. I'm just constantly walking on you my toes. You just carry yourself well. People don't know I'm tall because I don't carry myself well. Yeah, maybe no, I don't, it's weird. Did that guy do is that the, why that guy's the tallest basketball player in the Philippines? He just stands on his tiptoes the entire time. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. No one looks Correct. down. Yeah, because people are often like, well, did you do a lot of ballet as a child? It's like, not really. I don't know why I do this. Why didn't someone fix this when I was a kid? I don't know, but now it's who I am. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we've really covered it all here today. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We have. All right. Uh, Shannon, That I mentioned it when we introduced you at the top of the show that you just did a podcast with Taryn Armstrong about plurality votes. Uh, I was listening to it the other day. You listened it was, to it? Yes. Yes. Did and, you hate it? No, it was fine. It was, uh, I mean, <laughs> like, uh, it, I mean, it was, it was very interesting. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I mean, um, especially, uh, you know, it's the, you, it's rare to hear Taryn, uh, you know, get to like uh, really uh, nerd out about survivor votes uh, with you. And I thought that what was interesting was that it was a lot of talk about who should be doing a plurality vote and uh, the allure of the plur- plurality vote. It's not just some panacea that everybody who does it it's great that sometimes you can be sucked in because you feel very powerful when you do it. Yeah. I mean, we made zero fart jokes in that podcast. It was a lot of heavy strategy. You don't make fart jokes in it. Mm -hmm. Yes. If it's, if it's not, then this is my first podcast. So (laughs) yes, good, good to start out with you guys. Um, well, I'm sure you have in the past in some of our podcasts, but no, there that was really fun. Um, because I think a lot of people we've we've got a lot of the silly stuff on the network, which is really fun. But people were like, "What about hardcore strategy?" And we were like, "Well, let's deconstruct the history of global plurality votes on Survivor." And then we did, and it was super fun. And now I have like an th- accidental thesis on plurality votes that I genuinely think is really good and should be published. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that was fun, and we got the we did that Netflix podcast, as I said. Yeah. you know, that I've been dealing with in my mentions. Guiding ever since, new but that was fans worth in the it. Netflix era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And look, not everyone agrees, and that's fine. People can have different opinions, but apparently they can't. I don't know. It's it's been a fun time. There's some very diverse podcasting in the last week and a half. Yeah. Okay. Uh, check that out. And Jen, anything else coming up that you could uh, let people know about? Um, I'm going to do a little bit of stuff on the post show recaps Patreon. I think I don't know what I'm allowed to really mention. I think we we'll talk do- about everything on the post show recaps. Oh, we, Patreon okay, because we do you just make people feel bad that they're not being patrons, and then they'll become patrons. So yeah. So I've already done two podcasts on the post show recaps Patreon. Like last month, I did watching with Wiggler. I did a community recap, and then I'm going to do a movie club. I think Are you a big in a community couple of person, weeks. Shannon. Lo- community is my favorite scripted show. Oh, I didn't know that. And I just rewatched it this year. I'm pretty sure I'm the person on Renap that's doing season three, episode seven of that whenever it comes fishbowl? up. Fishbowl? Yeah. Um, uh, but it never gets picked. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm I think wondering we're gonna... why. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I don't Did know you get rid of it? No, I don't know if it's in the fishbowl. No, I, I don't know. If, I don't think it's in the fishbowl. I mean, Akiva promised me that it was. I keep waiting for my turn. Oh, boy. Uh, you fell for. Uh oh. You fell for. <laughs> Akiva? No, no, I do. I, it, it is. Oh, we do. That's mine. Yeah. You keep that at the top. Okay. Um, I think we're going to talk about Ted Lasso as well at a mm. point, which I wanted to talk about because I loved that show. So some PSR stuff coming up. Okay. And I've got also some other game theory stuff that I'm working through that we're going to get to as well. Okay. Survival. All right. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, Jess, what's up next for you? Oh, uh, well, I've got. In addition to our Amazing Race coverage, I have one other podcast that I do, and I'm going to scoop Mike Bloom on this because he is my podcast partner in that, and we are covering Star Trek Discovery and eventually all other things Star Trek, but right now it's Discovery, and we actually just did season three, episode seven of that, if you can believe it. That was two weeks ago, and Mm -hmm. we're on episode nine now, and it is a very bonkers show full of a lot of bonkers stuff and surprisingly few fart jokes, so I invite you all to go over to postshowrecaps.com and check that out, and we also um i write the newsletter that drops every week uh, announcing all of the stuff that is happening in the post show recaps world and you don't need to be a patron to read that but it does come to your inbox if you're a patron so that is very fun and if you're a patron you can ex- access all the stuff we talk about just which star trek franchise has the most fart jokes historically uh um, oh. i'm gonna guess deep space nine i was gonna guess that also so it must be true no <laughs> yeah Still like- i like you got on that Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe there was probably. I feel like there had to be some sort of like next generation scene, right? Of data being like asking about the process. I don't. Yeah. Do it. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Worf saying it is not honorable to fart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has he drank a lot of prune juice. I don't know. No, that's actually very true. Yeah. yeah. Mike gets final say on this. You know, it's not a vote. Mike is chancellor. So mm-hmm. really, he just decides by himself. Yeah, like, okay. I'm part of the Klingon Fart High Council. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> House of Bloom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and Mike, what's coming up next for you? So uh, also over on Post Recaps, in addition to the, to the great Star Trek Discovery coverage, Josh Wiggler and I are going down the hatch. We are finishing strong with season three. We are going behind the curtain to talk everything Ben Linus this coming week. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of Lost of All Time. So I am very excited to break that all down with Josh. And then this coming week, Rob, you and I are getting back together for another edition of Outwit, Outplay, Outlist. I am very excited for this one. We're going to be joined by my B&B partner in crime, Liana Boris. And we're going to be talking about Survivor's most memorable voting confessionals. Yes. When people are in the booth talking to the camera, they have a lot to say sometimes. And so we're going to go over some of the most infamous and famous things that people have said while casting their vote across 40 seasons of Survivor. Shannon, I saw that you were very pumped up for that. 
Yeah, well, I just commented because everyone had put their examples and I just commented saying, like, it's so cool that these are just regular people and some of these things they say are so, like, poetic or Mm -hmm. funny or iconic and, like, I don't know if TV writers could write as well. And then a lot of people were like, oh, you so earnestly just love Survivor all the time. And I was like, I wasn't doing a bit. Like, I just thought it was really cool. But it's good to know that my brand isn't fart jokes and it's Mm -hmm. instead being passionate about Survivor. Like, if I could choose one of the two... I would choose that. <laughs> well, I think a, a writer might actually show up on our podcast uh, in terms of being mentioned from some of, some of their infamous uh, voting confessionals. So maybe they, they are true. able to script in the moment too. Venn diagram for sure. And then we have a lot of great stuff uh, up on Rob as a website.com as well. Uh, the first lady of podcasting and I got back together for a friggin five for the first time in uh, six years. And we talked about what's coming up in 2021 on RHAP, among uh, many other things, including uh, my takes on the premiere of the challenge in the week in sequester. Uh, definitely check it out up on Rob as a website. Dot com. Uh, speaking of the challenge, uh, Brian and Allie are back to recap the full season. That's up in our Rehap Ups feed. Over the weekend, I got to speak with the great Chappelle for season three, episode seven of Family Matters. And uh, we talked all about that episode and Family Matters as a whole. And really just the real like uh, right turn that that series takes at the point where <laughs> Steve Urkel shows up uh, and just completely just takes over that entire show probably much to the chagrin of all of the principal actors who thought that this was going to be their big break original bill johnson's like i was in die hard I hate that now kid. i'm now i'm talking about some kid who makes a robot version of himself. yeah uh yeah <laughs> and there's a robot in uh that steve urkel makes in season three episode seven and also uh, another great podcast that we did uh t-bird and i caught up with Nayanka this week on the latest uh talking with t-bird another uh really fun interview uh, with Nayaka Mixon. It's all up at robhaswebsite.com, of course. Uh, so much going on, of course. In addition to that, everything we have going on in the Rob's Podcast uh, Patreon feed at robhaswebsite.com slash patron. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with our uh, finale coverage of The Amazing Race 32 on Wednesday Night Live after the episode. And then we will have exit interviews coming up on Thursday with the top three teams and see uh, how they're all feeling following uh, The Amazing Race. That's all going to be up at robswebsite.com. Take care, everybody. A good one. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. If you need an escape, drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yes, for free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of The Amazing Race, Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, even Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in and watch free.